Welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 69, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I'm enjoying a very nice episode. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and he's six foot tall, nine inches. Frank, nice. How's it going? I'm doing solo cup today. Nice. You having a nice very day? Good. I'm having a nice day. Are you having a nice day? I'm having a very nice day. Are you enjoying the fact that it is number 69? That that number is interesting, don't you think? It's actually hard to believe it's been that many. I remember when you announced that you were doing episode one. Oh, I remember episode one. It was very Pretty awkward. Sure. I, never... I was by Jamie when you told us about it. Yeah. When that opportunity was given to me, I was very excited. And now here we are just having a nice old episode number 69. You know what's funny about number 69? It's obviously like a big sex joke. It's a sex position, whatever. Like, you know, just because of the way the numbers are looking on when you look at the number numerically. But like, it's turned a lot in the sports world. It's just gone because of the fact that people sexualize the number. Like, who's a number 69 you could think of? I was going to ask you, is it like banned? I don't think it's banned in the NFL. Nobody in New Jersey Devils history has ever worn it. I don't even know if anyone in NHL history has ever worn it. It's like I can't think of any athlete who ever has worn it. Well, no, in football, guys have to wear it. Yeah, there's, but I can't think of anyone. There's definitely someone on the Bears right now wearing number 69 because it, you have to wear a number in the 60s if you play. Or I, they changed it now. Numbers aren't position um, sacred anymore. They used to be. Until literally last year was the first year they weren't – your number wasn't based on your position. But for a long time, your number was based on your position. And, yeah, the linemen had like 50 through 60. And, yeah, there were a couple of number 69s out there in the NFL. But I can't think of it in baseball. I certainly can't think of it in basketball. And hockey players wear high numbers these days. But nobody's had the unmitigated gall to wear number 69 in hockey yet. I looked up the greatest athletes who wore 69. Go ahead. Number one. Dick Johnson. Is Jared Allen. That's right. Holy shnikes. For the Minnesota Vikings and the Bears, right? Um, I I think so, Frank. Um, hold on. It, how could we forget Jared Allen? He Just was give me a sec. awesome in his day with the Minnesota Vikings. Um. <laughs> Hmm. Who else? It doesn't say. It shows him in a. It looks like a Chiefs jersey. Here, I'll I'll look to see what teams he wore number sixty nine with. Um. Do you remember hey, the movie? A lot of these are football guys. Yeah, it's almost all football guys because, like I said, every number in the NFL has to be utilized, or at least it used to. But do you remember, um, the movie Goon? Yeah. Doug Glatt. It was number sixty nine. Obviously, that's a fictional 
um, movie character, but I mean, hey. Oh, you'll know this name, David Bakhtiari. Bakhtiari. Oh, on the Green Bay Packers. Is he number 69? Yeah. Keith Sims. You can argue Bakhtiari is Green Bay's second best player behind Aaron Rodgers. This one a little bit shocking because I recognize the name and I don't remember him being 69. Arroyo Ooh. in baseball, the pitcher. Oh, Christian Arroyo. Oh no, this is Bronson Arroyo. Bro, oh, Bronson Arroyo. Okay. Maybe I'm thinking of Bronson Arroyo. Jared Allen wore 69 with the Chiefs, the Vikings, the Bears, and the Panthers. They never once made him change. But it was Chiefs, right? Because they showed him in a Chiefs jersey. Yeah, he started his career with the Chiefs, and then he played the bulk of it. He became like the Jared Allen that we know with Oh, the my God. What about the – there's a God. hockey guy we're forgetting about. Who wore 69 in hockey? And no player in Devils history. It's nobody um, – he was – I mean – Go ahead. I can't believe I forgot this. <laughs> he was on the box. When they won the cup in 2015. Six, he wasn't 69 on the Hawks. Was I, he? Don't, I don't think so. They show him in a Sharks jersey as 69. Maybe he wasn't 69 with the Hawks. Who? I feel like I would have remembered that. Who is it? Uh, Desjardin. Oh, Andrew Desjardin. Did he wear? Here, I'm looking up. Andrew Desjardin. He it's was it's six, mostly football, he, but there's a he was 69. Yeah. Desjardins was 69 with the Sharks from 2010 to 2012. Then he changed to number 10 with the Sharks in 2012, and he wore number 11 with the Blackhawks. I was going to say, I don't remember him 69 with the Hawks. Okay, there have been two players in NHL history to wear number 69. It was Desjardins with the Sharks in 2011 and 2012, and Mel Engelstad with the Washington Capitals in 2004. Ovechkin's oh, rookie year. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. It's just weird how, like, this connotation with the number makes guys not wear it. Like, I mean, I wouldn't want to wear it just because people will start talking about it. Yeah, like, they'll make jokes about joke, your number. It would, get, it would get annoying after a while. It probably would. I mean, saying nice every time you hear 69 is getting kind of old even but i mean it's one of those things that like will always be kind of funny but do you notice like even when you play bingo people yell it out when they're like oh 69 and everybody's like nice nice dude (laughs) and 69 and 420 are kind of like one in the same Mm -hmm. like whenever someone says either of those two numbers nice Mm -hmm. nice well happy number 69 to you I hope everybody out there enjoys this very interesting, very random, very peculiar episode number 69 of Bar Down Talking Hockey. It's the middle of the damn summer. We're two months away from training camp. Actually, we're under two months from training camp. I saw it was on Twitter maybe three or four days ago now, so the number's in the low 80s. But they, the Devils put a picture of Lil Jizzy Jack Hughes on Twitter and said only 86 more days until the home opener. So that probably means roughly like – 60 days until training camp and you know we start seeing the rookies report so it's a long time and it's no time at the same time but frank i don't remember in life there ever being a trade of this magnitude being a so late in the summer b existing at all 
I mean, I can't think of a trade like this in my time watching hockey. And we will talk about that incredible trade in episode 69's period number one. Welcome to period one. All right, was it Thursday? Uh, it, all the days blend in in the middle of summer. I believe it was Thursday evening. The hockey world started to just go absolutely banana lands on a mid-July evening. Hot. No one's really thinking about hockey. The White Sox were getting their shit kicked in by the Cleveland Guardians during this um, little ordeal. The Calgary Flames traded Matthew Kachuk and a 2025 fourth-round pick to the Florida Panthers in exchange for Jonathan Huberdeau, Mackenzie Weger, Cole Schwint, and a 2025 first-round pick. Frank, this is one of the most massive trades in NHL history. Your thoughts? It's actually insane. I mean, I was shocked. I mean, I'm not shocked that Kachuk left. We knew he was going to left, or he, we knew he, were, he was going to leave. I really didn't expect it to be the Panthers. I don't remember saying that last week. Um, I just – they had no room for him. The only way to get him on the team was to get rid of Huberdo, and that's what they did. And I mean, you look at Kachuk, right? So, he, what is it, eight years, nine and a half million, I believe, he goes to the Florida Panthers. That's a big – that's a pay raise right there. He had 104 points with the Calgary Flames. And now he's going to the Florida Panthers, where I think, me personally, I believe that it's easier to get points on the Panthers than it was with the Calgary Flames, just because the players you're surrounded with. So now, is he going to have the same year he did last year? I don't know. It's hard to repeat that kind of success year in and year out, right? You just can't predict he's going to get 105 points or 104 points, sorry. But the fact that he's going on a team where it should be easier to get points is a little scary for um, for fans. I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. For people who are – For rival uh, fans. For rival fans. Boston, yeah, for Toronto. Rival fans. And the thing, what could Chuck's going to bring to this team, right? Well, first of all, did you hear what he said? He wants to play with the Panthers for the rest of his career. Yeah, I mean. Which is kind of insane. Signed an eight, he signed an eight-year deal. And he's gonna yeah, but he'll, he'll sign another contract after that. Yeah, but like a lot is a lot is going to change in those eight years. But yeah, I understand the sentiment. But so Kachuk goes to Florida, right? And what he brings to Florida is one, he's younger than Huberto. Two, he's more physical than Huberto. And three, it makes the Panthers more competitive over a longer period of time, in my opinion. Um, so I'm a little shocked, but wow, big win for the uh, Florida Panthers. Yeah, so I kind of see this one, and I, is, I don't—I never really confirmed it, but I'm not positive. It's possible this is the first time in NHL history two 100-point players were traded for one another. Because Huberto, Huberto was over 100, too. Huberto had 115. And yeah, and so Florida's system – is more offensive than Calgary's. We all know how Daryl Sutter is as a defensive-minded coach. And both Hockey and Kachuk had 100-plus points last season, and they're both now gone. I think, based on the circumstances, this is a trade that both teams win. Because 
they were losing Kachuk, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they got Huberto, who's also awesome. Which isn't that kind of what I said? They're gonna they're not gonna just throw their season away. They're gonna yeah, have to exactly. Deal. They're not rebuilding like everybody thought they were going to. I mean, and, I didn't think that. Well, you had a you had a good intuition there, pal, because they still have all those great players. I mean, how many great players still play for the Calgary Flames? A lot. Lindholm, Manjapani, Monahan. I mean, the list goes on. They had a Vesna-nominated goaltender. Mm-hmm. Calgary Flames were awesome. And that's why it wouldn't make sense. Why throw that all away by getting rid of all your players and starting to rebuild? You don't need to do that. You have the pieces. You just got to replace what you loaded off. And they did that. Exactly. I still think they need one more piece to be as good as they were last year. Well, we'll get to that because I'm going to mention something about that later. All right. And the Florida Panthers, they lost to the Lightning again. Two years in a row now, they've lost to the Lightning in the playoffs. So they were like, are we going to run it back again? You know, like the Leafs, they're going to run it back again, right? And one of two things is going to happen. They're either going to pull a Blues and they're going to like finally get over the hump or Washington. They'll finally get over the hump after everyone doubted them. Or it they're going to hit their head against the wall again with the same group. And people are going to say, well, you didn't learn last year that you can't win with this exactly the way it is. And you made no changes at all. Like the Leafs made no changes to their core. Florida made a shakeup. Huberto's not the reason they lost, but they they brought in somebody who brings in just something a little bit different. There's a lot of points, whether you have Huberto or Kachuk, but Kachuk is a little more mean. He's a little more nasty. And he kind of probably fits playing with Barkov better than Huberto because – it's hard to say that a guy didn't fit well when he had 115 points or whatever, but it was mostly assists. Uh-huh. Now you have Barkov, who's probably one of the better like two-way offensive threats. Like He could shoot, he could pass, he could skate, he plays good defense. Kachuk is just – he's like a power forward, right? And if you put him with a center like that, you know what it would be like? It would be like having Hosta with Paige. It's kind of the way I see it. Hosta wasn't as mean as Kachuk. But he was equally as physical and defensive-minded and offensively gifted. Hosa could add another 500 points if he played like Kane. But, you know, Kachuk is in a similar boat, and going to Florida is going to be so good for him. And Florida's also smart because Huberto was entering a contract year. Okay, and now they have Kachuk signed for a long time. They got that extension done within seconds of the trade being announced. And uh, there was probably a deal in place before the trade. And now they don't have to deal with the headache of Huberto being a a little a year away from free agency. That's going to be Calgary's problem. But now that Huberto's in Calgary, you would think he probably signs an extension long term. It seems like when guys change teams, they sign those extensions. And they get freaking Weger out of it, who was awesome. And they get a 2025 first. Florida doesn't have 23 or 24 because of the Claude Giroux trade. And there was another trade in there that I forget that they gave up a first. Um, but it's just it's just a really interesting trade. It's going to be a long time to figure out who got the better of it, if anyone, because they both seem to do really well. Well, and, you know, like you said, Huberdeau's got one year left on his contract, and so does Uyghur. He's also got one year left on his contract. But Huberto's due for a pay raise. And obviously he's gonna get make more than five point nine million. But 
the question is, will Calgary be able to sign him depending on the other pieces that they get? Because obviously, I don't know what their cap space looks like right now. Um, I have a scenario, like I said, I'll mention later on where they would have like $9 million in cap space left, but that doesn't include if they re-sign Huberto. There's also, um, do they trade Huberto for assets? That's also a possibility that I've heard later on. I don't think that's logical. I don't think you'd make that trade if you plan on trading him and you don't plan on rebuilding that you really wouldn't trade him for assets. But that was also something I heard um, rumors and stuff like that. But I think the biggest thing here is that the Flames got a veteran and I think that's what they needed. I mean, of course, Johnny Goudreau been with the team forever, right? He had that veteran, you know, aura to him, but I just don't think he had that Jonathan Huberto veteran aura. I, I think that it worked out. I think the Flames needed a guy like Huberto on their team. And I think that the Panthers needed a guy like Kachuk because when the Panthers got swept to the Tampa Bay Lightning, I thought they were just outbodied that whole series. And hopefully Kachuk's there to change that and maybe they could get over that hump. Um, the other thing, like I said, is is Uyghur going to resign with them? I think so. I think Uyghur will get an extension of some sort. We'll see how much it is and, and when it'll come, if it comes at next offseason, if they try to extend them this year or whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it was a crazy trade. And what we saw from Jonathan Huberto was one of the best performances from a left wing in NHL history. He might have had the most points for a left wing in NHL history. Yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly possible. I, Ovechkin's a right wing. Kane is a right wing. Yeah, I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, it was definitely one of the best. He was outstanding, and now he gets to go to Calgary. I'm just happy the Battle of Alberta get, like will live on. There's a chance it happens in the playoffs again. Like They're not giving up um, the Pacific Division. It's not weak. People think it's weak. It might be the weakest of the four divisions, but it's still not weak. Because the teams at the top are perfectly capable of winning the Stanley Cup. Vegas is going to be much better. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, Edmonton is right there. Um, especially if Edmonton makes like a big move for Kane or something like that. The Edmonton is a couple a piece or two away from, you know, getting over that hump. You know, will Colorado have the hangover? We'll find out. Um, you know, the thing that worries me about Huberto is he's not going to get 115 points this year. It's not going to happen. But what if he gets 105? He better hope he breaks 100. I'm worried about him not even breaking 100. Well, um, he's got like three years in a row now where he's like. But he didn't break 100 three years in a row. No, I don't. If I don't. you if you look at his previous stats for his career, obviously this year was his career year, but he got nowhere near 115 points. So it, it kind of worries him too because you're playing on the Panthers, who are the better team. So now how are you going to fit in with the team who's a little bit of a downgrade, but now you're the face of the franchise. I'm, I'm kind of a little worried for him that he might get like upper eighties, even low nineties, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm looking at the stats, 61 points in 55 games last year. That's on pace for a hundred. Um, you know, if it were a full 82 game season and then 78 games and 69 games. Nice. In the 2020, the first year that was impacted by COVID, that's probably on pace for 100 or just shy of 100. Wait, and would then you say 78 games for 69? No, 78 points in 69 games. Oh. That's probably on pace for like 93, 94 points. And then in 2018, 19, he did have 92 points. That's the last full season 
before this one. So I'm confident in him breaking 90 points. I think we're going to see a regression, a little bit of a regression. Maybe, but it would be a regression to the mean. And that's like in the mid 90s, which is really nice for a team who was losing Kachuk anywhere. But Calgary needs that Jonathan Huberto from last season in order to be as successful as they were, losing both Goudreau and Kachuk. He needs to play up to that potential. Uyghur's no joke. No, I like Uyghur a lot. Uyghur's a good player. I I like Uyghur. I I think both teams got what they needed out of this particular deal with their current situations. Because Kachuk was leaving. They lost Goudreau. Let me ask you this. Who goes farther in 2022-23? The Flames, the Panthers, or the Blue Jackets? I'd say the Panthers. Really? Wow. I would pick the Flames. No, I think the, I think the, the uh, Panthers. Interesting. I got the Flames just because their division's weaker. The Panthers are going to play either the Lightning Leafs, Bruins in the first round. I would probably pick any of the other, other three teams over them right now. I, I just – I don't get – I don't – I mean, I get it from Florida's perspective in a way. Because I said, I think both teams get – like, Florida's just doing it to shake things up because two years in a row they lost to Tampa. But if they beat Tampa either of the two years, do they make it to the final? Do they win the cup? It's possible. So, I don't know. I, I you think, want my honest opinion? I think Florida won the trade hands down. Really? Yeah. Wow. You see, you're banking on – a regression from Huberto. I don't see a full, maybe not 115 points. So, like, if he gets 114 points, you could say he regressed. But I'm talking when I no, think no, of regression, no. I mean like under 100 regression. Yeah. So if he's under 100, I won't be too surprised. I would consider it like a legit regression, like a a hurt Calgary regression if he's under 90, and I just don't see it. I could see him getting like 88. See, that would surprise me. Um. And, and I'm just saying as like a whole, I think Florida won the trade because like you're replacing Huberto for basically the same production and you got youth. They're going to be better for a longer period of time than Calgary. That's yeah. something else I take into consideration too. Calgary may have the near future. I understand why you think that Calgary may be the better team this year. They, they have the, the short-term future may be better. But as a whole, I could see Florida producing – not winning the president's trophy again, probably won't win the president's trophy, but I could see them having as much success as they did last year and still be better than Calgary this year. It still wouldn't surprise me that. And that's why I have to give the edge to Florida's because they got that youth and they replaced, they, they replaced the veteran with the youth and they're getting more years out of them with virtually the same production, the same hundred point production. Yeah, you don't have a problem with giving up Uyghur and a first, though? I think they're so deep, that team. I mean, well, look they at are. Too. Look at Spencer Knight. If anything happened with Bob. and Yeah. I mean, I I, they're just that. so deep. I'm very yeah. high up on Spencer Knight. And their defense is great. Oh, Spencer Knight's great. Their defense is awesome. Ekblad is one of the most underrated players in the NHL as a whole. So. Yeah, Florida's amazing. You know me with the Florida Panthers train. I was all up on that. But uh, I, I, it feels like an overpayment a little bit. It just feels like a little bit of an overpayment. And they got him on the best contract. That's the thing that I think Florida did really well. They got Kachuk for under 10. Yeah. And for Kachuk, eight years, too. 
Kachuk is better than Gaudreau, in my opinion. I'd rather have Kachuk. But, man, it's a lot to give up. And you don't know where the Panthers are going to be in 2025. What if, what if they have like a year or what if they just really start to fall off after 24 and then in 25 they're awful? Now Calgary has a really high pick. Now it is a conditional pick. I never really – I don't looked, know the conditions. I've never really looked into the conditions of it, but I could find it right now really quickly actually just by going to – if people, hockey fans don't use this website as a tool, I don't know what, what's going on with you because it's an amazing tool. Um, catfriendly.com. It has every team's everything. Okay, so it's just lottery protected. Oh, so okay. if they win the draft lottery, then it goes back to Florida. But if it's the number three overall pick, Calgary gets to keep it. I mean, when you look at the year 2025, even if the Florida Panthers stink, I think Calgary, if they haven't done any winning or if they haven't made significant progress for their quest for the Stanley Cup, or even make it to a conference finals or a Stanley Cup final, even if they don't win it, if they don't do that, their time's over, I think. Huberdeau's not the youngest. No. Is he in his 30s? I'm pretty sure he's in his 30s. Yeah. Right. So he's not getting any younger. So if the time comes, if we're talking three seasons go by and they've did nothing, I don't care how bad – the Panthers are, I think they'll be better than the Calgary Flames, no matter what, just because they have Kachuk and they have those other pieces and that young development. Huberto just That's turned, why I think they won the trade. That's fair. Huberto just turned 29 on um, June 4th. So he's 29. He's older than Kachuk. Um, he'll be in his 30s for all of his next contract. Um I, Florida might have more points in the standings this year. I, when I talk about going deep in the playoffs, like Tampa, Toronto, Boston, like that, that's a rat race there. Now, don't get me wrong. Calgary could come in third and Vegas comes in second and they play them in the first round and get swept. Like anything is possible with the, the way the divisions are and the way the alignment is for playoffs. But I, I just like that we have a trade like this to talk about probably for the next three years, I would say. Yeah, we're always going to be compared. Yeah, and let's not forget about Paul Maurice. Yeah, going to the Florida Panthers. We don't know how that's going to pan out either. That could hurt them. They might have an off year. They might That might really help them too. So, I think Paul Maurice is a great coach. I do too. But you Do you know, you know how everyone kind of doesn't like Jeremy Colleton in Chicago right now? Mm-hmm. He is like on path to be the next Paul Maurice. He got a job in the NHL very, very young and was fired. And then he like had a bad reputation early just because he was a young coach. He went back to the AHL and then he found his way to the Winnipeg Jets and became one of the best coaches in the league. I wouldn't be too surprised if that happens to Colleton one day. Getting a job in your mid 30s is like really impressive. And his biggest problem was the fact that he never adjusted. The Blackhawks were playing man, and they should have been playing zone. And, like, just their roster didn't fit the style he was playing. He, he acted like he had the Lightning's roster on his team for the way that he was having them play. So we'll see if he's ever able to adjust and get back. That's just kind of a little side note. But, you know, that, that's our thoughts on the Huberdeau-Kachuk trade. Um, I think both guys – I kind of have a bold prediction. 
Both guys live up to the trade this year. Calgary and Florida, to me, their rosters are similar in terms of how I think they'll do in the standings. They'll both be in the conversation for first in their division and near the top of their conference. Maybe not quite at the top of their conference, but like close. And, you know, I, I think this trade gets judged three, four, maybe even five years from now. Wow. Like that, that's just kind of where I see it. Neither guy fails to reach 90 points. Um, that's kind of like my low bar for both of them. Um, because let's not forget, Frank, it's not like Kachuk has like many years in a row of being this 100-point guy. No, he's, he's not consistent either. So like, you know, Huberto has actually probably been more consistent in the last three or four years, but he had more opportunity. And, and I, I think he was on the better team, which yeah. helps too. And I wouldn't consider, I wouldn't consider Kachuk a late bloomer. I would kind of consider Huberdeau a late bloomer. He really started to become Absolutely. an elite player at like 26, 27 years old. That's when he that first ninety-two point season that he had mm-hmm. was like this guy's elite. And since then he's also been elite. You got to take the COVID context in the situations too. Having seventy-eight points in sixty-nine games, that's that's really nice. Like. We could do the math here. 68, or what did I say? 78 points in 69 games times 82. Yeah, that's 92 point pace. So, I mean, they're both great players. I think nobody's arguing that much. Mm-hmm. The one thing I'll say Barkov is the best center on either team. Kachuk gets to play with him. I don't even know who is Huberto going to play. Huberto is going to be the line driver now where Kachuk probably doesn't drive the line. I would say Barkov will drive the line. He might play with Lindholm or Monaghan. There are plenty of things to do with Huberto, and maybe he could get Monaghan going again. That would be nice. But both teams got to shake up after losing to their biggest rival. I mean, think about it. Calgary lost in the playoffs in the Battle of Alberta, and Florida lost in the Battle of Florida. (laughs) Yeah. So, like... eh. I mean, Florida needed a shake up. After that, after getting yeah. swept, after winning the president's trophy, and you get swept, I don't care if it was by the defending champs. You just you need something needs to change, and they made a lot of changes. They fired their coach, which I was stunned, and He's then they now. and then they trade Hoover though. So I, I those two tra- changes alone are just huge, big yeah. shakeup. I love that the Devils added Andrew Brunette as an assistant coach. That's that's good. Yeah, I love that because if they freaking fire, uh. Lindy Ruff, that's your guy, mm-hmm. I would say. And that's kind of what hiring a former coach as your assistant is. It's like he's the next coach in training, I guess. And Lindy Ruff has had a great career, one of been parts of Stanley Cup Finals, you know, deep runs with Dallas. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. But, man, I like this trade. I, I was thinking about this trade, like, for days after it happened. Like, <laughs> what's Kachuk going to look like in Florida and – Who's he going to play with? What's the power play going to look like with uh, Aaron Ekblad? And, you know, then I'm thinking about Huberto playing in Calgary, like Huberto and McDavid on the same ice, like a lot. Those are two of the best assisters oh, yeah. in the NHL. I, I, were they one and two in assists? I mean, Dreisaitl was up there in scoring, but he gets half of his points from goals. So, like, how, you know, how many guys get 70 assists in a season? I don't think Huberto yeah. had, Huberto had 85, 85 assists. Yeah. And McDavid had 79. They were one and two. 
third place in assists. Do you want me to? Johnny Goudreau. Hold on, I'm gonna look something up. That's wild, honestly. <laughs> That's funny. What are we looking up here? What do you want to? Something with the player statistics for last season. Oh, and really oh. quick, while you do that, to piggyback off the fact that Huberto gets to face off against McDavid a lot more now, the two best assisters in the NHL right now. The Kachuk brothers are in the same division. Brady and Matthew will play each other a bunch of times now as Ottawa and Florida are in the same division. So the Battle of the Kachuks, it's going to so, be one of the great things in the league. So, yeah, Huberto did lead in assists last year with 85, obviously, because nobody was really getting 85. McDavid didn't even hit 80. He had 79. Um, he was tied for second in points, though, with 115, which I'm pretty sure that's like the best for a left wing in NHL history or one of the best ever. Um, the only well, thing. Goudreau is also a left wing who tied him in points. Is he? Yeah. Which that they could be like the co guys who did that because I can't think of a left wing that did better, at least in recent times. I mean, think about it. Kane, right wing. Marner, right wing. Ovechkin, right wing. All the t- Hall was a left wing, but he had 93 points. That was his best. Maybe they um, tied it then. Yeah, I mean. Because I thought I read it somewhere. I mean, Kirill Kaprizov had 108. He's a left wing. Kachuk had 104. He's a left wing. Then all the rest of the left wings are under 100. Panarin, Kyle Connor, Ovechkin. Oh, Ovechkin's list- listed as a left wing yeah. now. Yeah, he is a left wing. I just wrote a, an article on NHL predicting um, the left wing ratings for NHL 23. Let me tell you, it's a stacked list. There's a lot oh, of talent yeah. at the left wing position. Um, yeah. The thing that worries about me, though, and I'm looking at these stats, is Hubert only had 30 goals. Only. If you look at the top eight, though, top eight players, everybody was 40s or above. And he barely reached 30. And, and you're saying in points? No, 40 goals or above. The yeah. Oh, the top eight in points, yeah. Either okay. 40 or above. But how many guys have 85 assists? He was the only one. I know. He does most of his damage in the assist department. That's what I'm saying. Like, it still leads to goals. But you kind of have to have more than 30 goals to reach 100 points because but, nobody gets 70 assists except McDavid and Huberto. But, and Goudreau. And Goudreau. But Huberto yeah. had more weapons on the Panthers. Who's he going to feed it to on Calgary? I know there's tons of players he can, but yeah, I mean, I think the talent was a lot greater. They're going to the try and recreate they're going to try and recreate that top line with Lindholm, Kachuk, and Goudreau. And I would say Huberto replaces Goudreau more as like the slick, offensive-minded like assist man. Mm-hmm. They need to find – they're going to either promote someone or make another trade. Maybe they'll trade for Tarasenko. I don't know. But, you know, they're going to look for that goal-scoring winger to put with Huberto and Lindholm. And that's probably going to be their top line. It's probably going to be a really good top line. And maybe Manjapani will score more than 35 if he plays on that top line. Um, maybe they trade for JT Miller. I don't know if the, the Vancouver and Calgary would ever make a trade with one another. But, you know, maybe they look at Patrick Kane. Maybe they 
No, Philip Forsberg signed. Kevin Fiala signed. It's getting thin now, but thin. you know, there's always moves to be made. There's always moves to be made, and they could kind of like roll into the season. Maybe one of their top prospects that is up, you know, ready to be called up to the NHL can make an impact in that way. There are so many ways that Calgary can get the most out of having Huberto on their top line. I'm so excited to see it. When McDavid and Huberto are on the ice at the same time, that's going to be like a hockey fan's dream. Yeah. So we have some other hockey to talk about here just besides this trade. Um, We're going to keep it hockey all summer long here on Bar Down Talking Hockey. Um, We don't go anywhere just because it's summer. That's just not how we roll. Um, we'll get to that conversation though, in period number two. Welcome to period two, where we will have our other hockey conversation, I guess, if you will. And the first person I wanted to bring up, what's up, Scox? Welcome to the show. Phil Kessel is a free agent. Phil Kessel has been one of the best players in the NHL over the last... I don't know, 15, 20 years, two-time Stanley Cup champion with the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, a couple times where he had points in the 90s, a couple times we had goals in the 40s. I think earlier in his career, Phil Kessel was more known as a pure goal scorer using his nasty uh, wrister and snapper that he you know, kind of used to have. And then he kind of started like picking up a crap ton of assists in his days with the Pittsburgh Penguins. No one will ever forget the HBK line in Pittsburgh with um, Carl Hagelin, uh, Nick Benino, and Phil Kessel. That was one of the greatest third lines in NHL history because Malkin was the second-line center with whatever two wingers he wanted, and then Crosby was the top-line center with whatever two wingers he wanted. And then Hagelin, Benino, Kessel, the Penguins had an Olympian on every line, and why not? It's no wonder why they won the Stanley Cup two times in a row there. Um, I'm hoping Phil Kessel latches on with someone. Maybe it'll be the Pittsburgh Penguins. Maybe a team like the Blackhawks has him come in and eat some ice so and hopefully he can be a tradable asset by the time the trade deadline comes around. Maybe a real contender. Maybe McDavid tries to revive him a little bit. Maybe Calgary looks to play him with Huberto and get some more goals out of him. Like There are plenty of options for Phil Kessel. My personal hope is that he goes back to the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I did some digging. Because the way what I saw from Phil Kessel last year, just from watching him, it just seemed like he was regressing a little bit. He was a little more slow. Of course, as you get older, that kind of stuff happens. But actually, surprising to me, he's gotten better over the past couple of years. In 2019, 2020, he had 38 points. In 2020, 2021, he had 43 points. And this past season, he had 52 points. But his goal scoring has gone down. He only had eight goals. Um, Don't forget COVID. I know, I know, but I just—it doesn't appear like he's the same Phil he used to be. No, not until I watched. Um, I know he's a UFA. I think there's a chance he may retire. To be honest with you, I think he may hang up the skates. We're getting deep into this off season. Still nothing. Like, you're running out of time. The only thing that maybe would keep him from not retiring would be his Iron Man streak that he wants to keep going, if he wants to keep that going. Um, but I just – his production is not the same Phil Kessel that it used to be. 
teams could use him, like you said, to eat up time or even chip in an extra 40 to 50 points, maybe. But I don't know if teams are willing to sign him to that contract and give him that opportunity to do so. I don't know if they want to take the risk on him. Because you don't, you don't know. Like you're gonna, you sign him to what one or two years? You're not gonna sign him to long term contract. Do they want to take that risk? I don't know. He just might hang up the skates. I understand what you're saying, and you there, you could be right. He very well could. He's from, you know, the 2004 NHL draft, I believe, is when Phil Kessel was taken. But there are lots of guys that are still unsigned, and I'm talking Patrice Bergeron, Nazem Kadri. Paul Stastny, John Klingberg, P.K. Subban, Keith Yandel, and Braden Holpe. All those guys are going to play next year, especially Kadri. I mean, Kadri is amazing. But part of me thinks Phil Kessel, he's got a year. He's got to have a year or two left for me because, like you said, the Ironman streak is so close. The Philadelphia Flyers really kind of boned Keith Yandel when it came to that. He broke it, but not by much. And they were almost going to break, not let him break it. And then, I don't know. I think Phil's going to play. Phil, Phil's got to play. It's not going to be with Arizona. Uh, go back to the Leafs. A, I mean, a bad team can use him to sell tickets because he's still the legend, Phil Kessel. He's just shy of a Hall of Famer. I would say he's not a Hall of Famer, but he's just shy. Um I don't know. It's it's definitely interesting to think about what Phil Kessel might be able to do. 52 points is no joke on a bad. That's, that's good. Bad Arizona Coyotes team. The assists were great. 44 assists, 8 goals and but I yeah, mean 8 goals is not great. He needs to score more goals than that. Uh, I feel like Phil Kessel should accidentally be able to score more goals than that. That 2020-2021 season, he had 20 goals, 23 assists. Now, that's that's a little bit better. You want to even it out a little bit. Like, if we would have saw that last year, I'd be like, okay, but when you're scoring eight goals, I mean, why take the risk on Phil Kessel when he's up there in age and signing him to a one-year contract when I could just – I could sign a rookie to a one-year contract or a three-year entry level, whatever it is, or, or somebody like that. And maybe there's potential there instead of trying to just – have Phil eat up time. I could just sign somebody younger and see if they could develop with my team. I don't know. It seems like the NHL, though, values guys who assist more than score. If you ask anybody, yeah. if you ask anybody who's a better player, Alexander Ovechkin or Sidney Crosby, anyone with a brain would take Crosby, barely, but anybody with a brain would take Crosby, and Ovechkin might break. Gretzky's goal record. I have my money on the fact that he does. And so who's Phil feeding it or who's what goal scorers or excuse me, I have that backwards. There were plenty of goal scorers on the Coyotes that Phil was able to find, but who's good enough to feed him? Who's good enough to find him on the Coyotes? Schmaltz is a really good player. I don't even think they played together. Um, I don't think so. Uh, the Coyotes are just – they're in trouble. He doesn't go back to the Coyotes, though. That's a promise. Yeah, I'll, I don't I'll make that statement is. right now in front of everybody. He's not going back to the Coyotes. No, I would be stunned if he went back to the Coyotes. Any of the Canadian teams would be a fit. Hear me out on this. The Buffalo Sabres. But why? Because that's a team that's probably going to be okay 
they don't need start, him. They don't they need don't, Burn him. They don't need him, but they're going to be okay to start next year, and he can help them win some games early and then trade them. The Buffalo Sabres are a team to look out for me. Uh, I've heard rumors of Pittsburgh. That's why I brought them up. I just don't um, think you could get assets for him. What are you trading him for? Well, it depends how he does. You're not trading him if he doesn't play well. There's no way he does better than last year. There's no way. Goals? Points. There's no way he gets more points than last year. No shot whatsoever. No, I don't think so either. He's not going to break 50 points. No. So what are you trading him for? I would probably. Well, let's say he gets 45 points, 40 points. What are you going to get from him? You could get a third or fourth round pick for that. Is that worth it? Yes. I would say yes. Teams value picks more than even I understand. They they just do because you can draft a guy who turns out to be the next Phil Kessel in the fourth round, right? Yeah, like, I get that. You know, got, teams will take draft picks on draft picks on draft picks for anything they can, you know, get their hands on. I mean, look at the freaking Flames. They're like, yeah, we'll take that 2025 first round pick. We'll take that. We'll take that 16 year old. The kid they're gonna draft with that pick is 16 right now. It's just, eh, I don't know. I Phil Kessel to me is probably one of the more interesting stories this off season. Um, I was reading about it on NHL.com. I actually, I actually have it pulled up right now. Um, Phil, this a little article has a segment that says while Phil Kessel's stats have dipped with the Arizona Coyotes the past three seasons. He had 52 points and 14 power play points in 82 games last season and is a proven scorer. The 34-year-old forward has 956 points in 1,204 regular season games for the Coyotes, Pittsburgh Penguins, Maple Leafs, and Boston Bruins, including six seasons with at least 30 goals and 12 with at least 20. A two-time cup winner with the Penguin in 2017, Kessel has 81 points in 96 postseason games. That could be a thing, too. If a team like Buffalo signs him and they trade him, who's a young team that could make the playoffs? Detroit? The Devils? The Devils? What if they were like, hey, let's bring in a guy to play on our fourth line who has won the cup twice and has 81 playoff points? That I can see. That I can see. You know, we'll give up a sixth-round pick for him. Or we'll give up a fourth. Stuff like that happens all the time. Exactly. I mean, freaking the Hawks traded for Kimo Timonen. But you got to get to that point. He has to play and get to that point in the year. Like, he he hasn't even made a step yet. What I'm saying is, does Phil Kessel even get to that point, to where he is on a team, where teams could trade him? Are are teams thinking about that right now? Will anybody want him? Potentially for that veteran for a playoff run of that veteran aspect to him and, you know, that experience of having uh, all that uh, playoff experience under his belt, they might want that. But does he make the first step on yeah. going to a game, signing with the team? He has to commit to the rigors of playing a full NHL season. You and know, it's just like, like he has nothing left to prove. That's well, why no. I think that retiring would just be fine for him. Yes, I agree with that. What was his contract last year? He was know? finishing out. I believe he was finishing out the long-term deal he had in Pittsburgh that was Which traded. Was how much? Or no, it might have even been the contract with the Leafs. 
Was it two million? For some reason, two million's ringing a bell, but that seems too low if he was on a longer term contract. Here, I'll pull up Phil Kessel on Cap Friendly, the greatest website in the world. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor, but they <laughs> can sponsor. They can sponsor anytime they want. No, his previous cap hit was eight mil. Okay, yeah. Well, first yeah. of all, he would never get eight mil. No, he probably won't get three. He'd probably get two. Um, and I don't see a world where he signs more than a one-year deal. I'm trying to think logically, digging deep in my head. Would anybody even offer him a two-year contract? I don't see it. In any situation, it would be a one-year deal. And does Phil Kessel want to be on those one-year deals? That's another thing he has to think, too. It's got to be annoying. Yeah. I mean, I would say he gets a one-year deal at two mil, and his contract that just ended was the one he signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay. At the end of the 2014-15 or the 2013-14 season, he signed an eight-year deal worth um, eight mil. He played one year with the Leafs and then was traded in that big deal where Kasperi Kapanen in a first went to Toronto and he went to Pittsburgh. He played there for four seasons. Then he played three seasons with the Arizona Coyotes. So the Toronto Maple Leafs effectively paid him $1.6 million to play for two other teams over that course of time. And I'm trying to see, normally Cap Friendly has a spot where they predict his next contract. Um, I'm not really able to see it, though, and it's not good radio to sit here and, you know, look for stuff while um, talking. But it's not necessarily a player that is going to be just simply ignored for me. Because of his history and playoff stuff. I don't know. Um, I hope he's back. I like Phil Kessel. I wouldn't be mad if he played on the Devils third line next season. Like if you put him on a line with Miles Wood and Dawson Mercer, and then you're able to bump up a Sharon Govich or well, Sharon Govich will probably play in the top six anyway. But I don't know. We're we're a pro Phil Kessel podcast. I think that much is um, clear because he's just been a fun player to have in the league with the hot dogs and the whole thing with Toronto media and mouthing off to people. I think the guy's hilarious, so I'm rooting for him. Um, you heard me mention some of the other free agents that are out there. Patrice Bergeron, Nazem Kadri, Paul Stastny, John Klingberg, P.K. Subban, Keith Yandel, Braden Holpe, who is uh, probably besides Bergeron because I feel like it's either Bruins or retire for him. Besides Bergeron, who's the most intriguing slash best free agent left out there? Kadri. You think it's yeah. Kadri? Mm-hmm. I do. Um, I mean, obviously, do I, you know what's a little surprising to me? I want to come back to Kadri. Um, but Sonny Milano, isn't he still a free agent? Yep. I'm shocked that he hasn't re-signed with the Ducks. Yeah, they let him go. They, like, don't want him. Oh, I didn't know that. Now I'm stunned. That's shocking. I thought he was just clicking with Zegris and that, that whole Anaheim Ducks franchise. That That's a shock to me that he's not signed. I mean, I think he's a young stud. I think people should gobble him up. Um, P.K. Subban, a little surprised he's not signed, being the vet he is. It's kind of almost like a Phil Kessel situation. 
teams should just want him just based on the career he's had. Um, I do think Phil Kessel, or I do think PK Subban has more potential right now than Phil Kessel would to a certain team. Um, so that, that I'm just a little surprised on that, but I think Kadri is the most attractive free agent right now for any team. First of all, he's either going to go, in my opinion, to the Islanders or the Flames. But here's why I think the perfect move right now would be to go to the Calgary Flames. Well, one, now that you got Huberto, you got to build around him. You need that extra piece, and I think Kadri would be the perfect piece for that Calgary Flames lineup. You strengthen the lineup a little bit more. They want to get back to winning ways. Nazem Kadri does that by joining the Calgary Flames lineup. His agent, I don't know what kind of glue his agent got, if he was on Elmer's, some off-brand of glue, but there were reports that he wanted – the agent was looking for $10 million, a $10 million average per year contract. Kachuk didn't even get $10 million. So I don't know what kind of glue this man was smoking because there is no world – where Kadri would ever make $10 million a year. He's not worth it. He's not worth $10 million a year. I don't, I don't care. He's just not. But now that value should drop probably between 6 to $7 million. And if it is, Calgary, the Flames are going to jump on it because they'll have $9.3 million in cap space right now. That's just as it is right now. So if they could afford like a six to seven million dollar contract and still have a few million left over, and maybe they even offload somebody else, they could offload if they want to free up a little bit more. You don't want to be held up against the cap. He was sniffing paint, Scott says. Yeah, damn right he was sniffing paint. Sniffing glue, sniffing paint, ain't getting 10 million. Since the Flames could afford that now, you'd have Lindholm and Kadri. You'd have one of the deepest teams in the league at the center position. And that's what they want right now. They want to contend. They want to get back. They don't want to go through a rebuild. Pick up Kadri, and they'll be in good hands. One thing I'll tell you, Kachuk didn't get 10 because he signed with Florida. This is like a fact. He signed with Florida. Do you know anything about Florida? I know it's in the United States. Florida has no state income taxes. Every penny of that $9.5 million contract will end up in his bank account. Where if he signed with the Blackhawks or any of the Canadian teams or the Devils, not all of that money would end up in his bank account because the state would take some. That does not happen. There are like 10 teams that have no state income tax the Coyotes, um, I want to say the Golden Knights, and players do, they are known to take discounts in no state income tax places where like the Toronto Maple Leafs had to get Tavares at 11 and a half because at the end of the day, he's only going to make nine, but it still hits their cap at what their average annual value is, not what their average bank account is. So if Kachuk went to the Devils, it would probably be a $10.5 million contract to make up for all the money that the New Jersey government would take from him. And so that's an unfair advantage, but it's an advantage. And it doesn't necessarily always help because, well, although the Lightning, they've won two of the last three cups and they've been in three straight, they can pay Kucherov 9.5 instead of the 11 he's worth. But there's just no way he was getting $10 million. I think it depends on the team. 
I don't care where he got the Kadri. No, I'm saying Kadri. You think Kadri would have gotten 10 million? There are some teams that might have given it to him. It's I, not worth it. It's just not worth it. Yeah. There's a reason nobody jumped on it. It's not. Well, there are people out there. I saw this tweet actually yesterday that think he has a deal done. And the team that ha- he has like a handshake agreement with is still going to like make a move to like get under the cap so they can afford him. I personally think it's the Islanders because he had a relationship with Lou Lamorello in Toronto and Lou already tri- let him go once because he kept getting suspended in the playoffs. And now he's going to try and get him back after seeing what he did this year. It's kind of weird, but what would be great hockey theater is if what team did Bozak end up being traded out of St. Louis or is he still there? Is, I think he's still there. Yeah. If Tyler Bozak stayed in St. Louis and both Kadri and Kessel signed there, and that was the top line for the Maple Leafs when like game seven against the Bruins that they choked, that was like their go-to scoring line. Those were like their yeah. three best forwards and J, those three in JVR. Um, but JVR didn't play with them. It was Kadri, Bozak and uh, Kessel. And <laughs> it's just, wow. That would be really funny. Klingberg's not, Klingberg isn't signed either. Well, so Klingberg was going to be the guy that I put right there with Kadri as the most uh, coveted free agent left still out there. Because I think you can make a case that Klingberg's number one. I I wouldn't. I would rather Kadri. Well, I would rather Klingberg for the Devils. But as an overall player, I would rather Kadri. Um, But Klingberg is so sweet. I mean, an offense like that, he's going to get a lot of money. And there's, there's a report he fired his agent today and hired a new one. So you might see his deal come through relatively soon. But, um, yeah, that's just a lot of a lot of good free agents out there. I'm not sure the market for Holpe, just because he's a goalie and every team's kind of solidifying their goalie. He'll sign. There will be a team that needs a third stringer or something like that. But the free agents are um, they're fully out there, so. Got anything left on the free agent? Something you want to add, Bergeron? Well, I said this last week. I thought we'd see more free agent signings this week by this show. So I'll say it again. I think by our next show, we will have a little more insight of some of the names we mentioned today. Oh, okay. Yeah, that that that's a nice prediction. I actually kind of hope that that happens. Even if it's not official, they'll be like, yeah, this it's very heavily reported that he this person's going here. Um, I think by next Wednesday we'll be able to talk about it a little more and we'll see what everybody where everybody made their moves. It's just my prediction. Yeah. Um, earlier this week, and I want to get this author on our show. I think that's something that we could actually have happen. But um the Athletic released their top 50 NHL prospects under the age of 23 years old. And I don't have my athletic thing working right now. I'm not able to pull it up completely. Wait, actually, I might be. Yeah, I do have it. Okay, there we go. Uh, number one was Owen Power. Wow. Number, number two was Luke Hughes. Number three is Shane Wright. Number four is Simone Nimich, who the Devils took at, yeah. at four. Um, five is Logan Cooley. 
Six is Matt Beniers. Seven is Kent Johnson. Eight is Cole Perfetti. Nine is Matt Savoy. Ten is Uri Slavkovsky. Eleven is Jake Sanderson. So it just goes down the list. Um, I'm looking for – I know that there's not a single Boston Bruins player in the top 50, and the Bruins probably are considered to be the worst farm system in the NHL now. Uh, Alexander Holtz from the Devils at 17. I'm looking to see where the first uh, Blackhawks prospect is because their farm isn't great either. It's better than the Bruins. But it's probably in the top 50. It's probably either – well, uh, Kaczynski's probably going to be on here somewhere. Did I say his name right? Uh, I think it's Krichinski. Isn't there an R in there? Krichinski? Yeah. Uh, Frank Nazar is right here at 26. Dude, Frank Nazar. I love that, man. They put him ahead of Kaczynski, or did I miss him? I th- I think Frank Nazar. Oh, Frank he's 30. Yeah. Yep. I think Frank Nazar is going to be an absolute stud. So do I. So do I. I think he'll be better than Krichinski. There is an R in that, right? Or is it Kaczynski? Yeah, it's Kaczynski. I'm looking to see if there are any other Blackhawks we can have a little conversation. Ooh, Jack Quinn at number 36. I like the Sabres prospects. The Sabres have good prospects. They're going to be a good team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm shocked. Peyton Krebs is 40. Well, dude, those Michigan boys. Luke Hughes and Owen Power were sick for Michigan last year. Mm -hmm. And Ben Years was a forward and Ken Johnson was a forward. Oh, Lucas Reichel, number 41. Um, I like Reichel. I like what I saw out of Reichel. I like what I saw out of him. He wasn't productive, like statistically, but that's not always what matters. It's like saying, you know, exactly. And that's our conversation about Huberdo and Kachuk. Kachuk's a better player. He had 11 less points. Mm -hmm. Um, Bobby Brink from the Flyers, Bobby Orbrink. Um, a lot of Canadians on here, Montreal. Nobody from um, the Bees, huh? Not a single player from the Boston Bruins. Um, yeah, a lot of Dallas Stars, too, I've noticed. But um, Owen Power sitting there at number one. I'm very happy about Luke Hughes being number two. Shane Wright at three. It kind of worries me a little bit, but having Nimich at number four right after him makes me feel a little better because he has Uri Slavkovsky at 10. I don't agree with that. I would rank Slavkovsky in between Wright and Nimich personally. You know, you know, for me to say that that means something because I would love to just put all the devils at the top. But um, Shane Wright must have a shit ass attitude. I don't know. He's sometimes the look he's got on his face kind of rubs me the wrong way. But I think it rubbed three and four NHL teams the wrong way. But I don't. I, do I think he's going to be a stud. Oh, so do I. I mean, here's what I'll say. I'm surprised he fell to four. Me too. Here's what I'll say. I hope Uri Slavkovsky, Simone Nemich, and Logan Cooley all turn out to also be great players because they will live a life of extremely annoyance if they're not as good or if they're not good players. They don't have to be as good at Shane Wright to avoid this. Like, okay, Kale McCarr went fourth, right? He's the best player from his draft, and it's not close. But nobody really shits on the Devils because Nico Heischer is awesome. Nobody really shits on the Dallas Stars because uh, Miro Heiskanen is awesome. 
the Flyers took Nolan Patrick. That's bad. He's not even in the league. Really. There. And like at least the Devils and Stars got like a franchise level player. They didn't get McCarr. Every team would like to go back and take McCarr of the top three. And freaking at least two of them got like Devils got their captain, right? Like he shares their captain, probably second best forward. Um, you know, all he has an all star appearance. He was in the all star game to uh 2019, uh, helped Taylor Hall win the Hart Trophy. Like he shares already somewhat accomplished. Heiskanen, when Klingberg dips out of Dallas, Heiskanen's their new number one, right? And he's probably their second best overall player behind Robertson. He's a very very good defenseman. The Flyers traded freaking Nolan Patrick for like a third round pick to the Predators, who then flipped him to Vegas, and he was health bombed half the season. It's rough. It's rough for sure. So you know that I don't want to see that happen to Cooley, Nemich, or. Stuff. I don't think it'll happen. I think they're all going to be very good players. I don't. I think sure hope so. I I'm sure. Pre- hope I'm pretty so. confident. But are you surprised to see Power and Hughes ranked ahead of right here? Yeah, I am a lot actually. Um, I don't know. I think right. I think people are undervaluing this guy. I think he's been getting a lot of shit. I feel like apparently he's a dick and like bad teammate. Like he needs to get his attitude straightened out. That's what I've heard. And teams value that the character matters, I guess. Right. Like, well, yeah, I wouldn't want to dick on my team. Yeah. Even if they're elite though, like ah, it's a very, very like, interesting intriguing conversation because there are people who are like i don't give a fuck if he can play like i don't care if he's an asshole okay well now he's the kraken's problem and the kraken man they're gonna be fun this year i don't know if they're gonna be playoff good but they're gonna be fun i love the addition of oliver bjorkstrand that they made last week because the freaking blue jackets had to trade that great player because they needed to get goudreau under the cap Mm -hmm. But um, the Kraken are going to be pretty good. They got they signed McCann. They They'll signed Donato. The They're not going to Oh yeah, I agree. Who, they might be one of those surprise teams though from the Pacific. They could. There's no but, chance. No, I'm not saying there's no chance, but I'd say the chance is probably like twenty percent, twenty five maybe. Okay. Well, I think we can all agree that the top five prospects listed are the top five prospects in the NHL. We can argue about the order. Luke Hughes was better at Michigan than Owen Power, but when Owen Power got to the NHL, Buffalo won like a bunch of games in a row, and he was a big part of it. Buffalo had a really strong end to the season, and he was a big part of it. Um, Luke Hughes, he's going to go to Michigan for another year. He'll probably play 10 games plus the playoffs with the Devils after Michigan gets eliminated next year. But, yeah, I like seeing Nemich in the top five too. And then, of course – you got a couple of your Hawks there. I think, did I say three Hawks? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you only mentioned two. Reichel, Korchinski. Oh, and Reichel, Reichel. I forgot about Reichel, yeah. Yeah, and like I was going to say about Reichel, he didn't have like the points, but it goes back to our Kachuk and Huberto conversation. Points aren't necessarily everything. It's I love look. the way he moved out there, though. He, he looked like he fit in, right? It was like everything he did was smooth. Or like a great play for a breakaway for Reichel. It's just like one play led to another. And even if he didn't score, it's just the way he was getting back into the defensive zone and tailing into the offensive. It just looked great. 
And that's yeah. what I've seen from Nazar in training camp. I just love the way Nazar is out there on the ice, and that's why I think he's just going to be an absolute stud. Yeah. The only thing I'm hoping for Reichel is that he doesn't become like Andreas Athanasiu. Andreas Athanasiu is a pretty good player. He's been relatively productive. I think he had 29 goals one year. Like, like he's been a pretty good player. But I've always felt like there could be more from him because of his speed. Like, I honestly thought there was going to come a time where he was like a top 20 player. And it just never really happened. Michael Grabner also comes to mind, too. And, you know, just super fast, but like brick hands, right? Miles Wood is a great example. Miles Wood's very fast, very physical, looks great out there. And then when the puck's on his stick on a breakaway, he shoots it right into the goalie's chest. Like, we don't want Reichel to become that, but I agree with Scott. Reichel's play last season, points will come. It's it's only a matter of time. He fit in well. And the nice thing about him, he fit in well on the third line, and he fit in well playing with P. Kane. Yep. So I enjoyed what I saw from him, and it's good to see him getting the recognition that he deserved in this athletic article. Um, everybody should go check it out, the top 50 prospects in the NHL. I'm hoping to have the author of this article on the show. I reached out to him. I'm still waiting for a response. So the San Jose Sharks hired David Quinn. Any reaction to that real quick? Well, the Sharks started out hot last season. Yep. Remember, we talked about it. Me, you, and Joey said, wow, all the California teams are in a playoff spot. And then all of a sudden, down the tube they went. And Quinn brings a lot of experience to this team. Um, I don't necessarily – I don't think he's a bad coach. I think that they will be more competitive this year, but they're not going to get 100 points. But I think they'll be more competitive. But I don't see him like, excelling and being like coach of the year or something like that. You know what I mean? But I do think they'll be maybe a bubble team. Maybe. When David when David Quinn was the head coach of BU, I loved him. Right? I thought he was the best coach in college hockey. BU was fun to watch. Jack Eichel was amazing. He really helped Eichel become one of the best players in the NHL. You know how big of a fan of Eichel I am. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking about getting a number nine Vegas jersey, too. Uh, I think that's going to be my first ever Vegas jersey. We'll see what the reverse retros look like, but I might just go with the plain uh, gray one or a white one would be really cool too because nobody ever buys a white jersey. And uh, you know, I loved David Quinn at BU, and then he got hired by the Rangers, right? And I was like, fuck, a guy that I really like is the head coach of the New York Rangers. And then Ranger fans despair buys this guy within six months of his tenure. Capo Caco didn't develop. Lafreniere, no, Lafreniere wasn't there. Uh, he just wasn't getting it done for the Rangers. And they had a lot of problems with the way he handled young people. And I guess you could look at it, it's good and bad. They didn't win a lot of games. The roster wasn't there. He was kind of there in the transition year. Well, that's exactly what he's going to in San Jose, mm-hmm. right? Like they just traded Brent Burns, one of the greatest players in San Jose Sharks franchise history, won the Norris Trophy, you know, all-time great offensive defenseman. And now they still have Eric Carlson and Thomas Hurdle and Logan Couture, and their goaltending's not that great. Ah, I just have a bad feeling about the Sharks, and I, I have a bad feeling this wasn't a great career move for David Quinn. Now. There's 32 of these jobs in the world, right? Like who's going to take, who's going to turn away three mil to coach an NHL team. I get it. 
but I just hope this doesn't make David Quinn look worse than he actually is because of the Sharks' old, beaten-up roster that is wildly in need of a complete rebuild. I mean, the Sharks, the only team I might be more annoyed with than the Blackhawks right now, besides the Coyotes, is the Sharks. Because, like, why aren't you rebuilding? I just don't get it. Trade Couture. Okay? Trade Tomas Hurdle. Why is Timo Meyer not gone? You know, what is Eric Carlson doing there? He's going to be hard to trade because he makes eight or 10 sheets and he's not a, you know, $11 million player anymore. I just, it's the same thing. The Blackhawks are now finally starting to do it and I like what I'm seeing. The Sharks need to do that soon. They're going nowhere. And if they're a bubble team, I think that's even worse for them. I think there are going to be. I have a weird feeling they're going to be semi-competitive they might be semi-competitive because they're the sharks but like what does that get you another 15th overall pick and then what like bedard is in the do people not know bedard like and then mitchkov and fantilli would each be number one in this previous draft they're both better than right people say i actually i read something today based on I don't know what it was. It was like based on not projections, but it had to be based off projections because there's no way else to go about this. But like the Hawks had the best chance of getting the first overall pick next year. In the I draft. saw that too. But I, it was, it has to be you all, probably saw the tweet from Blackhawk up fan sided. Yeah, it probably was, but it had, it, they didn't say it was going off predictions. They used something else, but that's all they could use is really predictions. At Here, this I'll, I'll find the tweet and say exactly what they said. I, I know the tweet. Blackhawk up tweeted it. It's fan sided's Blackhawk page. Um, it's probably just because it's according to Tankathon. Oh, Tankathon is a great draft website. It's a okay. great draft there you website. Go. I've been on Tankathon. They I have actually, the best chances of. Yeah. Now that will change as the season goes along. If they are a little bit better in the standings, then let's say Philly, you know, then Philly will have the best chance. Like it'll, it'll adjust as of right now. Tankathon is predicting the Blackhawks to be the worst team in the league. But isn't that crazy? They could get Bedard. If Connor Bedard comes to the Blackhawks, I will buy his Jersey before he plays a game. That'd be huge for them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. See, and here's the thing, Frank. I truly believe this in the bottom of my heart. You can trade Patrick Kane and get a shit ton for him and then bring him back. Nobody will give him up. No one will give him back, though. He's he's a free agent at the end of the year. Go play 50 games with the Rangers or the Oilers. Score 80 points with them, have a chance at the Stanley Cup, and then you come back. It's possible. It's happened a thousand times in sports history. It's happened so many times. And Kane wants to be the Blackhawks' all time leading scorer. He doesn't need that many points in order to pass Stan Makita. He could break Bobby Hall's goal record. You know, he could be the greatest Blackhawk who ever lived. He, he, he already is in my brain. I would take Patrick Kane's career over Bobby Hall and Stan Makita's career 10 days out of 10. That's just my personal opinion. I know how great Hall and Makita were, but it was a little easier to score back then than it is today. And, you know, the game is just a lot different, a lot harder. Every single opponent is elite now. It wasn't like that back in the day. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love Bobby Hall. 
I love Stan Makita. May God rest his soul. But Patrick Kane is so good. They can probably get – look at what they got for Matthew Kachuk. They probably wouldn't want a Huberdo, but they would take a Uyghur and two firsts, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, the, what they could get for Patrick Kane is just – I just – I still oh, don't see it. I still don't see it. Maybe not before the season. They have – they're, they're going to trade him. He will not end the season as a Blackhawk. I don't know. Unless he has a contract extension in place, then I wouldn't hate it because I think Patrick Kane is that good where he can like kind of be there through a retool, kind of like Jose Abreu. He was there through the White Sox rebuild, right? Like that's it's possible for that to happen. I just, for the life of me, wouldn't understand why you wouldn't want the best chance. This draft that's upcoming is sick. There are 40-ish prospects that would be first-rounders in most years. That's getting first-round talent in the first half of the second round. And then second-round talent bleeding into the third round. I mean, this draft is supposed to – and everything is projection. They could all suck. (laughs) But I think 2015 is the last time a draft had this much hype going into it. And that 2015 draft has lived up to the hype in every way. Yeah. Every single way. That, that's the McDavid Eichel draft. Uh Strom went third, who's a pretty good player. Fourth was Marner, hundred point guy. Fifth was Hannafin, one of Calgary's best defensemen. Sixth, the Devils took Zaka. <laughs> uh seventh, the Flyers took Provorov, who's a really good defenseman. The Devils were the biggest loser in that whole draft. But I believe they got Brat in the sixth round. No, that was the next year. The Devils got a good player in that draft. I can't remember who, though. And it wasn't Zaka because Zaka sucks and they traded him for Eric Halla. But um, uh, this upcoming draft is so sweet. And here's the thing. You get rid of Patrick Kane, you increase your chances at Bedard. That no one will argue with me on. You're going to give me that? No, but I think they can get Bedard without doing that. I mean, look at they already are projected to be the worst team with Kane. No, I know. And that's look, the thing. You think about the rest of their roster. Imagine if you have Bedard and Kane, dude. Yeah. Well, but he's a free agent. Then you run the risk of him leaving. And no matter what players say, no matter what players say, no matter what agents say, no matter what teams say, things change. They lie. They give people what they want to hear. What if Patrick Kane had 100 points and the Hawks were that bad and he still had 100 points? What what wouldn't be in his heart to be like, you know what, screw this. I'll go play for Calgary or I'll go play for Nash Vegas or Vegas. Now, Vegas can't afford him. But, like, what if the Kings offered him a $10 million contract? He's not getting $10 mil. With anyone else, ten mil for three years, Kaner. Come win a cup in L.A. We're ready to start winning. We got Byfield, Turcotte, uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Kaev. Um, they just brought in Fiala. Got pretty good goaltending. Dowdy had a bounce back year last year. Kopitar still here. Oh, are we going to talk about Dustin Brown? Do you hear about the statue? 
I love we we could talk about the Blackhawks later now. Uh, that that's my cap on the Blackhawks. Good starting to put on some good prospects. They would only have one top fifty prospect according to the Athletic if they didn't trade into the first round without getting rid of DeBrinket or Doc. They have zero. They have one top fifty prospect, and he's in the forties. Now they have three. Now they have three. The rebuild has begun. Do it right. Do it right. End of it for me. Dustin Brown's the worst player in NHL history to get a statue, right? Yeah, probably. But is he getting a statue because he's like that guy? You what know, you like mean? you know, like how people get into the Hall of Fame as a builder. Like, is Dustin Brown getting it because like? He is synonymous with the LA Kings organization. Like when they were when they won the cup in 2012 and 2014, like you thought of Dustin Brown. Like he was a big part of that. Like, is that the reason? Like he's that guy. Like we could look up to Dustin Brown for finally bringing a championship to LA with Kopitar and Dowdy. And it just seems like it's that thing. Cause I mean, there were times back in 2012 and 2014 they were comparing him to Taves. And you think there's a chance Taves gets a statue. I never in a million years would insult tapes like that. But I, I've heard it. Brown was a winger. He never had more than like 60 points. Do you I know who had captain? Do you I think know who the captain aspect? Maybe they met as like a captain then, that leadership. Are they giving him a statue because he was a great leader for the Kings? Like kind of like that builder, like that leader for the Kings? I don't know. That's not what statues are supposed to be for. Oh, Statue- I know. Statues are supposed to be for like those guys. And I love Dustin Brown. I have a Dustin, Dustin Brown, Brown I have a Dustin Brown Kings jersey. I know you do. Frank, I love Dustin Brown in spite of him being the only ca- the captain to beat the Devils in the final. So He's now I have an American captain ever to win the cup. I will I have a jersey of a statue player. Yes, you do. I might but, have a lot of jerseys of a statue. Yeah, with some of those Hawks ones, but Number retired, great. They retire lots of guys' numbers. Um, you want to retire his number, honor him, do the one last skate type of thing, fine. That's fine. Retire number 23. I'm a little shocked at the whole statue. Absolutely. Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, and Wayne Gretzky. I think Wayne Gretzky have statues outside of Staples Center. You're putting Dustin Brown with them. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna put a Dustin Brown jer- a statue next to Kobe Bryant. It's got. I'm telling you, it's got to be the whole like leadership statue. It has to be. Are they gonna put a Michael Froelich statue at the United Center? Froelich was better than Brown for a lot of it. I don't know what to tell you, champ. Are they going to put a Dowdy and Kopitar statue? They fucking better. They fucking better now. I don't think so. I think this is it. But I, Dustin Brown is like the third. You can't just start player. giving out statues. He. That's why Brown shouldn't be getting. But that's it. why Kopitar is not going to get one now, and and that's why Brown didn't either. They stripped the captaincy from him. What statue's going up? The one with the C or the A or nothing? Probably the C. The statue, I guarantee you the thought in their heads is that we're giving him a statue from his leadership 
from when they won the cup in 2012 and 2014 when he was the captain, they're going to give it to him. That They will have a C on his chest. That's got to be the only logic. I, I understand what you're saying. I don't agree with it. Don't get me wrong. I don't agree with it. I'm just telling you what I think their mindset is. He'll have a C on the statue. If he doesn't, then, then I have no idea what they're thinking. If they have the audacity to put a statue there and don't have the captaincy patch on it, that is just talk about glue. They literally one day looked him in the face and said, Dustin, you are no longer our captain. We are stripping you of the sea and putting it on Kopitar's jersey. <laughs> now they're building him a statue. I'm trying to think of like a Chicago comparable. Of like a guy who was a pretty good player that like will get a statue. Like, what are you talking about? Any Chicago player? Any Chicago player. Who's comparable to him? Yeah. R- Rizzo? No, I think Rizzo's better than him. Rizzo's pretty damn good. He's better than Dustin Brown, if you compare this. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. I was thinking like like a, a Jason Hayward. or That's a great one. That's what I was thinking. Like that he gave a speech, the rain delay. The, yeah, the Indians like, probably would have won had Jason Hayward not sat us all down and said, hey, this is still our game. And now we're going to build him a pretty statue. good comparison. We're going to build him and his 200 batting average a statue. Yeah. Are That's you shitting me? That won't happen, though. So. I don't even think Bryant, Rizzo, any of them are going to get statues. Rizzo, might, the only thing those guys have going for them is the fact that the Cubs went 108 goddamn years without winning the World Series. I so think they, they were like, statues. they ended it, right? Like they're legends because of right. that. If the Cubs had won the World Series in like 1982 and then Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, they win the World Series with the Cubs in 2016, they would be loved. They would be so loved. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you right now. Let's say the White Sox pull the Braves, right, and they own the second half and run through the playoffs and win the World Series. Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, they're all great White Sox players, right? But they will never – have the impact culturally as a Frank Thomas, Paul Konerko, A.J. Pierzynski. That just will not happen. Uh, Skyler says they won't get statues because ownership sucks and none of them are Cubs anymore. Well, I don't agree with the because they're not Cubs, they won't get a statue. If Patrick Kane got traded, he'd still get a statue probably for the Hawks. I think Taves and Kane are going to get a statue. Regardless of if they got traded, I think they're Even gonna- though Keith overall was better than Taves. But he didn't have the impact that Taves had. But Keith's number will be retired. I think they'll retire. The Hawks are going to have a span there where they retire like three or four numbers. Yeah. I would retire Crawford's number, personally. He'd be number four in line. Yalmerson, you honor. Oduya, you honor. Sharp, you honor. I don't probably don't retire any of those numbers. Seabrook is on the fence for me. The only reason I wouldn't retire Seabrook is because they didn't retire Chelios, who wore the same number. You have to co-retire them if they do that, kind of like the Yankees with Jackie Robinson and Mariano Rivera. Mm-hmm. But Rizzo actually would be the most deserving. He was the longest and showed leadership the earliest. I and, and for 
he was probably consistently the best too. Like Baez's best year was better than Rizzo's best year. Brian's best year was better than Rizzo's best year. But whose best five are you taking? Rizzo's. That's kind of how I see it, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm trying to think of some good comparables. Go to the White Sox back when they were really good in 05. Paul Konerko was better than Jermaine Dye over a span of like five years. Jermaine Dye's one best season, 2006, was probably one of the greatest in White Sox history, only behind Frank Thomas. But Paul's career was probably a little better. So, you know, it's the same thing. Um, ooh, Patrick Sharp is another good example. Patrick Sharp, his best season, goals-wise, I would venture to guess is better than Taves. I don't think Taves ever had like a 35-goal season. Sharp certainly did. I don't know. I can check if you want. Ooh, I thought of a number that might get retired. Hosa. They'll retire Hosa's number. They have to. You can argue he was better than Taves at points. It's tough. You would think. Hosa's number gets retired. When you have a dynasty, a couple numbers are going to get retired. That's just the way it is. Yeah, I don't know. But then eventually, like, when do you stop? Eventually, exactly. they're gonna... eventually you, you got to not retire any more numbers. Eventually, they're going to unretire everyone's number and still leave the plaques. They have to. They might leave a couple, like 42 in baseball, not going anywhere. 99 in hockey, not going anywhere. But, like, the Yankees don't have a single digit available. No, right. One through nine are taken. So, but Dustin Brown getting a statue. I just can't freaking believe a guy who's not going to the Hall of Fame has a statue. I mean, I guess there are plenty of guys who aren't in the Hall of Fame with statues. The White Sox are a bad example. They have, like, ten statues inside their building. The White Sox are ridiculous with statues and you know i'll shit on my team at that point there are a couple guys there that have statues that just don't deserve one the only three that should have one are frank thomas paul canerco and um mini minoso but i guess until this last week canerco and minoso weren't in the hall of fame now minoso is paulie hit the home run in the world series and that's what the statue's recreating rizzo's not going to the hall of fame and if they gave him a statue i i probably wouldn't be surprised but so I guess Hall of Fame doesn't matter, but I think status matters. Brown wasn't even like the fifth best player on their team when they won the cups. He was the captain. He's getting a statue based on leadership. It has it's to gotta be. be. It's gotta be. And they won their first cup with him as the captain. Exactly. Exactly. Like Gretzky didn't win a cup with the Kings. Freaking Dustin Brown did though. That that's what it it has to be because that was their first one in franchise history. Yes. So I think that that was a big deal to them. And then yeah. when you think back to 2012 when they did that, you think who was the captain? Dustin Brown. He led us the way to our first ever success in franchise history. So that has to be what it is. But that's not what statues are for. It's got to be. They'll retire his number too, right? Like, Well, if he's getting a statue, they're retiring his number, right? Yeah. Well, who who was better on the Kings? Who was more important to their success than Dustin Brown? Brown, Brown did lead the 2012 playoffs in scoring. Kopitar was pretty electric. Kopitar? Doughty, of course. Doughty, Doughty. had the Norris years. I would say Doughty's their best player in, in that run. 
yeah, more than Kopitar. It could be. More than Brown. I'm being dead serious. Yeah. No, yeah. Quick. quick, too. That whole team is, like, legendary. They had a number two defenseman for each of their two cups. In the first cup, it was Voinov. Slava Voinov, yeah. And then in the second run, it was Muzzin. They Don't had. Forget, the, you know who else was really good on that team, too? Martinez. Oh, Martinez, yep. Absolutely. He was probably, like, their number three in the second cup. Um, the That 70s line. Remember the Jeff That Carter? 70s line? Oh, yeah. Jeff Very Carter well. with Tyler Toffoli and uh, – was it Kyle Clifford? Was it the three of them? Oh, no, no, no. It was uh, – wasn't it Pearson? Tanner Pearson. You Tanner are correct. Pearson. Tanner it was Pearson. Pearson, Carter, and Toffoli, the that 70s line. Weren't they like 70, 71, and 73 or something like that? Somebody was 77. Carter was 77. You're right. Carter was 77. Those were my Kings, man. I love the Kings. I'm, those Kings teams were awesome. I love the Kings. That's why they I got a jersey. so sweet. So they were so sweet, and they traded for Mike Richards. And I like Tanner Pearson a lot, too. Yeah, I remember when they traded for Mike Richards. It was like, all right, the Kings are loading up. They might make the playoffs. Yeah. And then they did and won the damn cup. Yeah. So, you know, I guess I get it. The range, or the the Kings yeah. really hurt me in 2012 when they beat the Devils in the final, and then they redeemed themselves by beating the Rangers two years later. Yeah. So that's kind of that whole thing. Um, Taves is very upset at the rebuild. He's kind of being a crotchety old man. Is he ruining his captain legacy or diminishing it? I don't think so. I mean, who isn't upset at the rebuild? I am. I would be in the same predicament. I mean, you look at like what is he's done throughout his career, right? No one's left on the team. Everybody's left. I mean, how could you not just be upset? If I was in Taves' shoes, I'd be the same way. I'd be like, dude, you know, the fr- it's kind of like the phrase, you, you don't know what you have until you don't have it anymore. And that's exactly what he, he even alluded to that. He mentioned saying, you don't know how good you had it back then until like stuff isn't happening now. And you're going through these depressing times and these non-fun times in this era. It's just, I mean, the way he's going about it, maybe you just don't feel like, yeah, I'm a little upset about it, but you don't say that and you kind of just keep some of it in a little bit. Like you don't see Kane saying any of that. Kane's like, yeah, I want to be here and help the, the guys or whatever. That's kind of where I'm. But it's like, it's gotta be annoying. Like I, I agree with him. Like he's not getting any younger. He misses that success. He, he said how much it was electric playing in front of the Chicago fans on, and every night, the Madhouse on Madison was an electric bump in the roof off the place of the United Center. And now, and now you're in these times where you just can't even win and not even get back to the postseason. So I get his pain. I just – sometimes you just don't say those things, though. Yeah. You know, I agree with what you're saying. I'm sure he misses, like, boom, boom, boom. Let's go, and people were just going freaking banana lands. They played Come On by Tiesto when they were going on the power play. And all the girls would like stand up and start dancing. All the Hawks are going on the power play. You know, Kane's going to make a nice little saucy pass to Patrick Sharp. And he's going to have a chance to snipe one. And when someone on the Minnesota Wild gets on a breakaway, big save by Crawford. Like those days were so sweet. Okay. Everybody recognizes that. But if you're Taves, you can acknowledge that and like say that it's disappointing to not 
you know, be in those days anymore. Of course it is. No shit. But when you basically sound like a crotchety old man, how do you think that makes the younger players that are coming up to try and make the Blackhawks feel? Like, oh, Taves doesn't actually want me here. He misses Marion Hosa. You know, Taves doesn't want to be on my team anymore. He wants to go play for a winning team while we're trying to develop. I, I just don't think it comes off as, like, captain material to publicly complain about what the team is doing. Where, like, Kane, Kane's like, I want to be here. I want to be the all-time greatest Blackhawk. I want to see this rebuild through. I want to get back to what we once were. I don't know. There's just been – and I love Taves. Some guys aren't – Taves has every right to be like, you know what, trade me. I want to go play somewhere else. I don't want to be part of the rebuild. I'm annoyed. That's fine. But it's going to diminish your captain legacy at least a little bit in present time. Nobody's ever going to forget how good of a captain he was when the Hawks were good. I still think they don't win that Detroit series if he doesn't go into that penalty box and calm Seabrook down. Then he goes out there and makes a sick block on the kill. Seabrook comes out of the box. They end up winning that game. And then the next two to make the 3-1 comeback. That doesn't happen without Taves' leadership. Not even his play. His leadership. And they upset. I guess it wasn't really an upset. It was upset that they when they were down 3-1. to one, They were probably dogs to come back and win. And they did. And... That's just, I don't know. I hope Taves finds happiness in his hockey future. No, we'll see. Um, I also think like some of the things he says, the media kind of blows up a little bit more than it should be. That's fair. You probably read the same article as me. They The article made him appear like he was going to be an a-hole. Yeah, and I think the media does that on purpose. Like, You could twist anything that he's saying. Like, Yeah, he says he's upset about it, but he didn't say like, he didn't use the words like trade me now. I need to get out of here. It's just like that's what just people are trying to blow up his words and putting kind of putting words in his mouth too. So I, I don't always take what these reporters are saying. I want to hear it from the source. And until I hear those words from Taves himself, I mean, yeah, he has every right to be upset at the rebuild. Like I said, I'm upset at the rebuild. I'm not happy about it. But that doesn't mean like I'm not going to be a Blackhawks fan. So that shouldn't mean like Taves wants to leave Chicago and not be associated with the Hawks. I mean, it just – I want to hear it from the source itself. Do you think people are soured on Taves because of how he reacted to the Kyle Beach thing? Mm, not really. I don't know. I don't think so. I just wonder if there's a bias against him now because the words he said after everything came out and the report came out, like with the, all the pages and whatnot, um, what he said wasn't wrong it just felt tone deaf like backing up Stan Bowman and yeah. like it just didn't sound good like it didn't come off I don't like think he was... people are holding that against them I hope not because Taves is a good dude he's just clearly frustrated and he sucked last year and the year before he missed the whole year so I hope Taves comes out and has a good year and the Hawks do one of two things they keep around the captain for a while to help see the rebuild through or they trade him where he can we could watch him in the playoffs again. I think one of those two things will happen. Or he'll retire. And if he retires, I think he joins the Hawks long-term. And then if he joins the Hawks long-term, you'll see his entire attitude about the rebuild change. Because then he'll start thinking about things critically and not from a player's point of view. He'll start thinking about it from a business point of view. 
and then he'll be like, okay, we actually are putting together this thing the right way. And so I think yeah, we'll see. the future is interesting for Taves. We um, shall see. I'm interested. Me too. You want to have some fun? Sure. Well, I've been having fun. I'm always having fun. So This is a good episode for sure. We had some good few Juicy people talk. in the world. What'd you say? Juicy talk. Juicy talk. Few people in the world can have this juicy talk about a sport that hasn't played a game in over a month. Yeah. And is in the middle. It's like we're I, I would say we're in the middle of the offseason. We're probably dead center of the offseason. And you yeah. know, that's what we do here. So we're gonna have some interesting conversation. Hockey related, maybe, not really, in period number three. Welcome to period three. Nice. Huh? Nice. 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 <laughs> what a nice episode. Episode number 69 of Bar Down Talking Hockey. Earlier this weekend, I went to a very cool place. And I, I kind of view this place like I view Door County now. You've heard us talk about Door County a time or two or three on this show. Um, Door County is in Wisconsin. It's very northern Wisconsin. And I went to the Wisconsin Dells. And I've only been there twice. This was my first time in the summer. And I really enjoyed it. I was at a place called Christmas Mountain. And it's a ski resort in the winter and a golf slash luxury resort in the summer, I think, is how I would define it. There's a golf course on the property and some surrounding areas. I did golf. I didn't ski when I went in the winter. I don't know if those days are behind me or not. Um, but yeah, golfed, nice weather, storm on Friday. That was, or on Saturday, Saturday, storm on Saturday. I got a question to ask you, but keep going. I don't want to interrupt you. No. It's, and Christmas Mountain. it's, uh, it's just a nice place to go. And I, you know, I had a really good time and I wanted to give a shout out to all the people I was with Katie, her parents. It was just a lot of fun. And I, I love Christmas Mountain. Cannot wait to go back. When I hear you're going to Christmas Mountain, right, in my head, I picture a giant mountain with snow and lights going up, like lights coming down, you know, like when you're at like a fair and the lights are hanging from the tent like this, like that's what I picture. I just picture a snowy mountain, Christmas lights. Can you change this stigma for me that's stuck in my head? Like yeah. is it a resort, like, like a Dell's type of thing? Or, like, I can't picture anything else but a snowy mountain with Christmas lights on it. Okay, well, was there anything but snow? It was hot as balls. I swam the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, it was fully summertime. Okay. And the cabins are blue and red, or green and red. And that's about the extent of Christmas. Oh, there's a Christmas tree in the main lobby. Yeah, the main lobby of like the entrance desk. And there were some Christmas lights. See, I never went around Christmas. I don't know if they do Christmas like extra they probably special. Go hard for Christmas. I, I'm not sure that they do. Really? Yeah, what, what I'm not positive mountain? about it. I could be wrong. Is there a mountain of some sort? Giant it's, hill? It's something? on a big hill. Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, I guess. Christmas mountain? 
Just because it's red and green cabins? I have no idea where the name came from. I could probably actually do some research on that. Ask or, Mr. Christmas. Yeah. I'll, I'll call Santa Claus later. Um, I believe... Where was Santa Claus? Because halfway to Christmas... Or not halfway to Christmas. Christmas in July was a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we were there. There, it, it, The Christmas thing just doesn't... It's called Christmas Mountain, but it really doesn't have much to do with Christmas at all. That's why I'm confused. Like when you're, it's like, I mean, the skiing maybe in the winter. It probably looks really nice in the winter. Yeah. Well, I was there in March when it was like kind of the tail end of winter. Was there snow? There was a little snow, not a lot though. And there's hot tub, pool, golf course, ski lift. Sounds like uh, a blast. Campsites, cabins. I experienced the cabin and the campsite in this last trip. Camped in a tent two of the three nights. Um, it's a good time. I highly recommend Christmas Mountain to everyone who wants to visit the Wisconsin Dells because it's right outside of it, and you can go to all the places. Have You've been to the Wisconsin Dells, right? Oh, yeah. You know anything about it? Like, is there any favorites you have there? When I went, I was very, very young, like 10. Uh-huh. Maybe between, well, I'd say maybe between like ten to fourteen, so not like really, really young, but young enough where I could vaguely remember Treasure Island and some of the the Great Wolf Lodge and some like the water slides we went on. I remember that and like walking through the park, and it was all it was like a mini like attraction, like amusement park where you just walk through. There'd be like carnival game stands and go-karts and water slides and stuff like that. That's what I remember from um, from the Dells. But I, I don't think that's the same vibe you get in Christmas Mountain. Yeah, I mean, it's just right. a really cool place. No, yeah, you're right. And I didn't check out any of the water parks, though. Did you say you were at one of the water parks? Oh, yeah, and the Dells, yeah. Yeah, I, and they look really cool. Water. That's that was what we did. We'd stay in a hotel that was connected to a water park, and it was incredible. And then you could go to other water parks. Like just because you're staying at Treasure Island doesn't mean you can't travel to Great Wolf Lodge and go to their slides and stuff like that. Hell yeah, that is cool. Any I mean, I don't know if things change now. Now, is there any food you remember? Yeah, you would buy like. I think I think there was an area where you would buy food and drinks. And if you go to, like, the wave pool, you know, like, the giant wave pool, you know what a wave pool is. And then there'd be, like, a stand where, like, they would sell drinks outside, like a giant. You'd almost see it, like, on a beach, like, the giant wooden, like, circle where there's a couple bartenders behind there. I think they sold, like, food and drinks, like, stuff like that. Okay. I think. And I'm telling – we're talking I, – I could say, like, we're talking over a decade ago. So yeah. I'm getting old. Now it's, like – there's like this big street that just has like everything on it with restaurants and the water park and a roller coaster. And there's this place called Christmas Mountain. No, this is at the Dells. Oh, okay. And Christmas Mountain is just like a ski resort outside of the Dells, like right outside of it. Gotcha. Like on top of it, basically. Yeah. And yeah, I really, I really enjoy it. There's this restaurant there. There's this restaurant there that you would really like called the Grateful Shed. And in the Grateful Shed, the center of it has like a bar that serves alcoholic beverages, non-alcoholic beverages, ices, everything. And then surrounding it, there's like a little stand that sells pizza and wings. 
a little stand that sells tacos, a little stand that sells grilled cheese, and a little stand that uh, sells ice cream. And that's probably one of my favorite places in the Wisconsin Dells as a whole. So you're I not- a- Go, Go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. It was just probably my favorite place food-wise to get food at the Wisconsin Dells. It's not like high quality or anything like that. Like, And I'm not saying it's not high quality like it's bad. I'm saying like it's not fancy by yeah. any means. So like when you're there, you're not staying at a hotel. It's a cabin and there's multiple people like in this cabin, like multiple yeah. families in a cabin. No, just oh. whatever family you go there with. So you it's can only rent have it out to one family. So you can only have two families renting it out at once? No, one, usually. What You said there's a red and a green, though. No, like the roof is green and the siding is red. Oh, like so Christmas Christmas Mountain, there's like not a, it's like not public. No. No, it's, it's a resort. Aspect of this whole it's thing. Resort. What about that is confusing? I'm back to the I'm back to the snowy mountain. <laughs> I can't picture it now. You just threw me off. That was a harder curveball than any MLB pitcher could throw. <laughs> That's wow. funny. Because now you really messed me up. I was getting it, and now I can't even picture it. No, it's How like is this resort that you just rent out just for yourself. No, it's, it's like they're owners. Of each house, and it's like almost like a timeshare. I, I don't know. I don't I know don't how else to describe it. Yeah, Kalahari, that place is cool. I think I've been there once. That was many years ago too, maybe. And not even staying there, maybe just like stopping in and for the water yeah. slides and stuff like that. I used to be a big water slide guy, and I still am. I just don't go anywhere where they offer them usually. Me too. I haven't been on one in a long time. Part of me wonders if I went on one, like a big one, would I decide right then and there I'm done with them? <laughs> I don't know. I, it's been a I, long time. But yeah, so Christmas Mountain is like you rent the cabin and Christmas Mountain and the stuff at Christmas Mountain, the golf course, the pool, the hot tub, it's all exclusive to the people that are renting one of the cabins at Christmas Mountain. Scox describes it perfectly. It's like rental cabins in the wilderness. Yeah, the and wilderness. You know the wilderness, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't picture the rental cabin, so that doesn't help me, Scott. I'm just we'll, a lost soul. I, we'll, I just, we'll show you some pictures. If you we'll show me you. a picture, I would get it. And then there are probably – there are also like houses on Christmas Mountain too, though. That's the thing that's – so you could buy a house on Christmas. Yeah, Mountain. yeah, and then there are cabins that people rent and timeshare, and people actually live there. There are people that own them, and the whole thing that's confusing me is that you, there's only like it's not public. Like you're not going to see other life forms there. That's what confuses me. It is okay. Is it public? I don't know. What, Katie, like, what do you mean by is it public? Like, now how do I explain it? You can't just walk up and go there. No, no, that's not what I mean by public. That's not what I mean by public. I mean, like, will there be other families at this resort the same time you are? Or do you just have that whole ski mountain to yourself? 
Like there's yeah. no other people staring. There are other families there. Okay, that's what that's what I meant by public. Yeah. You like said there wasn't. I'm like, so you got this whole place? No. I thought you meant the cabin. No, no, no. The, the whole resort as itself. Is it public to like where you will see other forms of life not related to you? Many of them. Okay. That's okay. So now you're, you're reeling me back in VP. Reeling me <laughs> like back the in. Pool, the pool on Saturday or the pool on Sunday was popping. Okay. There were lots yeah. of people there. So now I'm starting to get it. And there's a portion that has campsites. And almost all of them were full, right? Like there were hundreds of tents. Okay. But only you guys were staying in the red and green cabin, correct? For one of the nights. And then the other two nights we slept in a tent at one of the campsites. So other people who go there who are using the pool, who are using all the other activities in the resort are staying at like campsites or houses or something. Yes. There's a portion to bring like your trailer like, you know how Jamie and Brian have, like, a camping trailer? I think I'm back. Yeah, you're back. You're back. There are so many different ways to use Christmas Mountain. Yeah. Okay. I kind of get it now. Yeah. I kind of get it now. So, it, it's a good place. I highly recommend it. I want to go there. Yeah, maybe we'll all go sometime. It's a lot of fun. It'd be sick. Um, Tomorrow, Crosstown Crosstalk has a very exciting episode featuring the Seattle oh. Mariners site expert at Sodo Mojo of Fanside, and it's going to be a very strong Seattle Mariners episode since they're doing so well. And I'm very excited. They got the trade deadline coming up next Tuesday, so it's our last show before the trade deadline. And I just wanted to make sure that I tell everybody to make sure they tune in tomorrow at 2 p.m. and catch that episode. Frank, is there anything in baseball going on right now that you're super excited about? Well, there's something I'm super like depressed about. And that was the Mariners got swept to the Astros. That was rough. Oh, my God. That was the series. Because I said they have a chance to win their division. Now I don't know, man. That is just – the good thing is – did that wait, did the Astros lose yesterday? I think they lost yesterday, didn't they? The Houston you know? Astros? To the, I can to the find Astros. out. I can find out for they're, you right this They're second. losing today. They might get swept by the A's which would be huge. That kind of annoys me. Yeah, they lost yesterday. The A's are coming yeah. to guaranteed Ray Field Friday. Yeah, they might sweep the Astros, which is big because of their juicy win yesterday. They were going down 4-3 on the ninth, and they walked it off. Because now they're chipping away with the Astros losing. And if the Astros could lose again today and the Mariners win – I'm excited for playoff baseball because it's not going to come in the form of the Cubs. So I'm going to be riding with these these Mariners for October. They're going to make the playoffs. I can guarantee it. I think the Mariners are going to make the playoffs too. Absolutely. Do you think – I mean, it's not really a matter of do you think. If you say no, then you're just not paying attention. But like Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ gone. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, they're gone. They had their little moment in the dugout. A um, little sad. It is sad. Because I love the Cubs. The Cubs are my number one team. I was born a Cubs fan. I've grown up with them. I got to see them win the World Series. It was incredible. I'll always love the Cubs. But they're we gotta be we gotta be honest here. They're not gonna win. Doesn't look like they're gonna win anytime soon. Um, so I, right now, you know, I'm feeling the Mariners out, and I'm rooting for their success. There you go. Um, if they, I love that you love the Mariners. 
because I think everybody should have like some teams that they just vibe with when their team's not playing. Because I think watching more baseball, more sports, the better. But I will hate your guts for a week if they play the White Sox in the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, I will be done with you for a week. Oh man, they might. I mean, well, the only reason I think it's possible is because the AL Central is the AL Central is probably only throwing one team to the playoffs unless both the White Sox and the Twins or both the White Sox and the Guardians um, go on like a big run, then two teams could come out. But if the White Sox win the Central and the Astros win the West, I would assume the Yankees and the Astros have the bye. And so the White Sox as the third division winner will play one of the wildcard teams, which very well could be the Mariners. That would be so. It could be White Sox Mariners and a one game wild card. No, it won't be the wild card. Oh, it certainly won't be the wild card. It would be, um, because the one game wild card is gone. Oh, yeah, we talked about that. There's the extra wild card team now. It would be one and two have a bye, three plays six, four plays five, and a three. They play each other in the first round. Yeah, it would be the first round, but only a three-game series, I think. So, and then the winner would go on to play one of the Yankees or Astros slash other two division winners. Julio's coming for the White Sox. Yeah, I mean. He's just been a monster. It would all depend for me on who who is uh, hot going into the playoffs, right? Like. The Mariners are four and six in their last 10, but still made it because of how good of a season they had. And the White Sox were eight and two in their last 10. I would probably feel pretty good about it. If the roles were reversed, then I'd probably not feel so good about it. Think about the Braves last year. What were the Braves? 88 and 70, 88 and 76, I want to say. Yeah. And they were the worst team that made the playoffs record wise. And we all know what they did late in October. And they got through hell to get there. They beat the Dodgers and the Astros. So, and who'd they play before that? Who would the Braves have beaten in the first round? Oh, would it have been the Brew Crew? That's probably who it was. Was last year the game uh, 163? All those 163s? No. That was when the Cubs played the Rockies, I think, in game one. That was a few years ago. The Cubs played the... They had to play the Rockies and the Brewers. They played the Brewers in game 163. And and then they lost to the Rockies in the wild card. Yes. That wasn't last year, no. Okay. Yeah, that was 2018. Okay. And then they missed in 2019. And then they won their division in 2020, but choked to the Marlins. Yeah. Okay. So... We'll see. That's baseball. 2 p.m. tomorrow. Seattle Mariners heavy episode. Frank, the NFL is also back. And the Chicago Bears started their training camp. All the teams are getting going. You're getting pumped. I know this is our time to shine. We're getting close. I'm getting really excited. You're going to come watch the first Sunday night game with me, right? Uh, I I wouldn't be too surprised, actually, if uh, I'm there the Thursday and the Sunday and maybe even the Monday. We need snacks on snacks on snacks, though. We'll get snacks. That That's a given. I can't wait. Um I'm I'm really really excited. We'll see what Mitch does. Mitch. We'll see how the Bears do. They're pro- they're not projected to do too well. Yeah. 
It's a battle with them and the Hawks for the worst team in Chicago. Even though I think it's the Hawks as the worst. The Bears, the Bears don't have a Patrick Kane. <laughs> Until they don't. Until the Hawks get rid of Kane. <laughs> That's the other thing I was going to mention. Oh, Skyler is reading my mind. I know he's reading yours too. But really yeah. quick, who's the best player on the Bears? I think there's an think obvious number player. one. There's an obvious n- number one best player. There's an obvious number two best player. And then the rest is a crapshoot. There's one guy we hope becomes the best player. The I got to be won. honest with you. I don't know what they did this offseason, so I don't know who's left. No. Is Robinson no still on the team? No, he's on the Rams now. Okay, so yeah, I, I have no idea what different. they did this offseason. I'm telling you, their best player is Roquan Smith. Their second best player is Robert Quinn. And then their third best player, Mooney. Justin Fields will turn Montgomery. I hope, Frank. I'm losing Justin Fields. I'm not losing hope yet. I love Justin Fields. I just have no hope in the Bears to develop him. I don't know. Uh, Speaking of the Bears, did you see the – renovation plans for potentially adding a dome on soldier field it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen i agree with you and it's not even a real dome here's the thing it could happen i worded it wrong it could happen but the bears aren't playing there probably not gonna happen i i think they renovate soldier field and we get an afc team the reason why they're saying that is because they don't want the bears to leave chicago and go to Arlington. They're trying to do everything they can to make it more appealing for them to stay in the city of Chicago. I know. Nothing's going to fix the parking, though. Yeah, I know. Like, you have to take a shuttle from your goddamn car to the fucking stadium. Every time I've gone to a Bears game, and I've never been to a regular season Bears game. Every game I've gone to has been preseason. Um, We've always had a park in this parking lot, this rundown parking lot. It's not connected to the stadium. Like you said, you got to shuttle over there or walk. I remember walking like 20 minutes. I remember walking and shuttling on the same freaking trip. Yeah, so that's the only thing that sucks. The one regular season game I've been to is probably the best regular season game the Bears have played in in the last 10 years. It was the game against the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday Night Football that they squeaked out the the win at the end. The only game that might be better in the regular season the last couple years was when they beat the Buccaneers. But, I mean, there was also like week four, and the Bears sucked, and they got lucky as hell. But, I mean, I think they're going to get an AFC team. I do. By the time you're 50, Chicago will be home to two NFL teams, one in the AFC and one in the NFC. I don't know if, I don't know if the Jaguars – We'll move to Chicago and play at Soldier Field. Imagine Trevor Lawrence coming to Chi-Town. Who would you be a fan of? I mean, I would not have disdain towards the new AFC team like I do like the Cubs. But you would have the original Bears team. I think I would have to root for the Bears, but here's what I would hope. I would hope that this new AFC team came in and was sick. Like, so sick. Light a fire under the Bears' ass. Like, imagine if they came in and they had a Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Or they had, like, they drafted a sick – or if it was an expansion team, they drafted a sick quarterback. And in one year of existence, they had 
a passer throw for over 4,000 yards, something the Bears have never had. Yeah. They have never had a 4,000-yard passer. The closest was Jay Cutler when he had 3,600. They played an extra damn game last year, and they still couldn't come an extra, you know, whatever. It's it's just terrible. Absolutely terrible, the Bears. But I get to watch Tom. And I know you're excited about the Steelers, right? Oh, yeah. I'm really excited about the Steelers. I'm really excited about the Survivor Challenge pool thingy where you pick a team every week, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So are there any other sports or video games or something you're thinking about this weekend? I hope you start. What? The Guillotine League, I hope you start. I will do the Guillotine League. Please? I will do the Guillotine League. Um, other stuff. Yeah, I got some stuff written down here. First of all, I really got to get my shit together when it comes to Game of Thrones. I was this close to watching it last night. This close. Okay. And then, you know, stuff happens. But I'm I'm all in on Game of Thrones still. I don't want you to think otherwise. Um, I want your opinion. Uh, you're caught up on Big Brother? I am caught up on Big Brother. Sorry, I was reading uh, the score of the White Sox game. Um, I am caught on Big Brother. I watched Sunday night's episode yesterday because I was gone. And... I was a little surprised at the um, outcome there. But, you know, sometimes when you th- – I guess I didn't know this about Big Brother. When you put yourself up as a pawn, Oof. they don't like that. Never put yourself up as a pawn. You always go home, dude, always. Yeah. It sure works out. And you thought there was no chance once he did that? Uh, well, yeah, because once you do that, like you're just inviting yourself to be evicted. Very rare. If somebody volunteers to go on the block, you know how stupid you have to be? Like, Pooch is a moron. Yeah. He is dumb. What do you think of the twist, though? The festy uh, twist? It's a little weird. It's a little weird. Is it going to be like that for the whole show? No. It, it, stuff like that never lasts the whole show. Probably okay. a few weeks. But right now, it's lasting for more than a week? Yeah. I'd say three, three weeks, four weeks, maybe. How do you feel about Michael? I like him. That's this the guy, glasses guy, a, right? Yeah, yeah. I like him. I think he's a genius. Got dude's got to lose the attitude a little bit. That, uh, it's starting I, to get to me. Just it is me. starting to get to he me. Hates everyone. Yeah, and it's just everyone. This shit smells good, and but other than that, I mean, he's a smart player. But the attitude, his whole personality, is just rubbing me the wrong way. It really kind of is lately. Like, I liked him at first. He's kind of a dork, like, easy to root for. Now he's starting to annoy me. I've won the veto contest. (laughs) I'm going to win my third one. Uh Uh-huh. Bro, you're going home, bro. Yeah, I know. That's the only thing. Isn't he? Wait, is he on the block? Yes. He's on the block with his festy bestie, uh, Brittany. Oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I know I'm safe. And I... Yeah. Yeah, he's just rubbing me the wrong way. Absolutely. There's a couple more things I want to talk about in relation to watching things. There's this show we've been watching. It's brand new on cable television called Final Straw. If you just ever want to pass the time, want to throw it on, it's like a game show. It is one of the coolest concepts for a game show I've seen. It's like Jenga, but they use like real world real world items 
like say the theme for that giant Jenga thing is bathroom. Okay. They will have a giant tower and each level will be something different. There might be a level of toilets, a level of plungers, a level of toilet paper, and teams take turns removing pieces and whichever one falls loses. They lose that game. And the other team advances in like a tournament style thing. It is, it's so unique and so cool. I don't know. It's just. <laughs> well, Frankie's, it's called the final straw. Yeah. All right, I'm going to check some YouTube clips, and then it's I'm going to... brand new. They've only ever had, I think, two episodes. It's brand new. It just started. It is... It's just so much fun. I'm vibing. I like that. I like that a lot. It sounds really funny. Bathroom. <laughs> they haven't had that yet, but like... Oh, I, I was going to say, did you pull that example out? Or yeah, did you like... just out of my... Because they did like... What was one they did? I They did candy. Or they'd have like cookie jars on one level or like giant gumdrops or um, giant candy fountains as one level. And like you'd have to remove the fountain. And then if you do, all right, the other team's up. And like they'd have they'd have a staircase that goes around it that you can move because this tower is so tall. It is massive. The tower has to be like 40 feet in the air. And just when you pull the wrong one and it comes crashing down and everything gets destroyed. It's, it's, it's really cool. And then if you make it to the end, cause like I said, it's kind of like a mini tournament, then you get to play for $250,000 on the final like tower. And that gets hyped too. That gets really hyped. And what channel is this on? I don't know. Either seven or okay. it's like one of your one, basic one of cables. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I'm going to definitely give that a, a look. Seven. Yeah. It is on seven. Yeah. Okay. I'm definitely going to give that a look. I'm excited to check that out. That sounds fun. Wait, one more thing. All right. I'm listening. When it comes to watching things, did you see what Marvel has announced lately while you were gone? Oh, my God. I still, never, I still haven't watched the new Black Panther trailer though. I never got around to watching it. You know how much I didn't like the Black Panther movie. Yeah, right. you're wild for that. That's one of your I like stand by it. one it of is, your spiciest takes. Five times. I don't understand the hype around it. That's I one of the only stinks. takes that like everyone disagrees with you on. You have no, you have no partner on that. I well, except G. Yeah, G. but you guys watched it together and like formed that opinion. And I've and I've watched it like five times, and I just I'm like, <laughs> all right, if I watch it again, it'll get better. It doesn't get better for me. I'm bored. Nope. I want to is one game. of the coolest characters, the guy from I, Avengers Age of Ultron who ends up only having the one arm like I'm so happy I didn't see it in theaters. At the end like I would have been I would have been disappointed if I wasted money to see it in theaters. I like I it's not even in my top 20. I saw it in theaters twice. Yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> Wakanda Forever, it has the chance to elevate it. I watched it I was like, "What?" This is a chance to revive me back in this franchise. If it sucks, I might have to be out on Black Panther. But I think this movie is about to be insane. I was the vibe I was getting from it, the music that they put in the trailer, I was getting so hyped for this movie. It was oh, incredible. I missed it while I was at Christmas Mountain. I have to watch it right when this episode ends. I forgot to watch it. And watch the She-Hulk trailer. That's hype too. Oh, there was yeah. something that happened in the She-Hulk trailer. I was like, I'm all in. And but did I, you, you see know, the timeline for the movies coming the out? The timeline looks so awesome. Fantastic Four on there. Event, like, the two Avengers movies? Yep. 
Yep. The King Dynasty and Secret Wars. Secret Wars is like the next end game. Yeah. I know. And Skylar points out that I have to watch the OG Daredevil with Charlie Cox. Yeah. I, I know, especially now. Because yep. now it's like fully gonna be part of it. And yep. yeah. He was in freaking Doctor Strange, wasn't he? For like five minutes. Who? Daredevil. Oh, Daredevil, yeah. He was at the beginning in the kitchen for like a little scene there. So yeah, I, I will did, be for sure watching that. I did so much research when that came out, and I was like texting Dylan because Dylan like knows everything Marvel and like superheroes and stuff like that. It was Spider-Man, not Doctor Strange, sorry. Oh yeah, yeah, it was Spider-Man. Um so I was doing like research on it and the, like, Kang, he's a badass. He's very, very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. And we saw him at the end of Loki. You're gonna see him again in the near future. And I don't know. It, it this dude is very powerful. Yeah, that's exciting. I love where the MCU is going with that whole story with him being powerful and yeah. just wait, just oh, wait. Yeah. You're I, gonna see him in a movie you're not expecting. I'm sure. I don't want to say it to spoil you, but it's like almost confirmed what movie he'll be in. Okay. But did you ever end up going to see Thor? No, I haven't. Me either. Freaking Joey, freaking Dylan. I hate them. Can I tell you what what the movie is? Yeah. Like it's not that much of a secret. Yeah. Like. Yeah. He's probably going to be a major factor in Ant-Man and the Quantum Manium. Oh, Ant-Man. okay. Um Kang or Kong, I think it's Kang. He's going to be that's like when you'll really see like, all right, this next big villain's him in that movie. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that would make sense. I heard it's going to, I read an article that Ant-Man's new movie is going to like be entirely different than the first two Ant-Man movies mm-hmm. where those are like really funny and like comedy is the main thing. And it's the main like type of story for both Ant-Man movies. It's a very serious, like dark story surrounding it, but it's obviously a very funny movie. Paul Rudd is hilarious, but I heard that with Guardians 3, too. It's not going to be as goofy. It's going to be I'm more sure. on the serious side. I'm sure. I mean, it. the whole thing is just kind of in a serious direction right now. Everything that Thanos did is just caused, like, major, major... Multiverse stuff. Chaos. Yeah, exactly. It's wild. Um, you got to finish Hawkeye and start Miss Marvel. Or did you finish yeah. Hawkeye? I, I have, like, three episodes of Hawkeye left. I'm caught up on everything else. Three episodes of Hawkeye that I just got to find a couple hours. A little harder in the summertime. But um, I'll catch up on that. And then I got to do Miss Marvel. And then um, and then You're Thor. Thor. We need to do Thor, too. I know. I know. What a tweak on our part. Wow. At this point, I'm just going to wait until it's on Disney+. Plus. It's been a – no, it hasn't been a month like that. But. I don't know. But part of me wants to experience it in theaters at the same time, like with the loud music and everything. We so still I, have time before it reaches Disney Plus, so we can watch it still if you want. I know, and I agree with Skylar that the MCU finally has a direction again because it really hasn't since the Infinity Saga ended. Yeah, right? they're calling this the Multiverse Saga. Yeah, Did you see that? they yeah. made a whole post about it. They released it. It says, "Welcome to the Multiverse Saga." So phases one, two, three was the Infinity Saga, and phases four, five, and six they're calling the Multiverse Saga. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, was Endgame the end of Phase 3? Well, second to last movie of Phase 3? Because yeah, Spider-Man No that, Way Home. That was Phase 3. Yeah, that was the last one in Phase 3. Because it like capped off Endgame. And now we're in Phase 4. 
Yeah. I'm pretty sure. And then yeah. phase five is where it gets now we're getting serious. Yeah. We're getting back to that Infinity War endgame vibes. It's gonna be mark my words, mm-hmm. King Dynasty and um Secret Wars is it gonna be very similar to Infinity War and Endgame. They're back to back movies. Infinity War and Endgame weren't back to back, but I'm sure these will be filmed back to back because we're gonna get an Avengers movie. And then another Avengers movie. I mean, we've never had that before. We get two Avengers movies back to back. Yeah, you're right. I believe they were filmed back to back, but not definitely not released back to back. They weren't released. And these two Avengers movies are going to be released back to back. What came out in between? Ant-Man and the Wasp? Black Panther. And no, Black Panther was before Infinity oh, War. before Infinity War. I want to say. Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. That's yeah. right. That's and Black right. Panther was the one before Infinity War. And Thor Ragnarok was right before yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the MCU. Um, yeah, man, I love that stuff. It's so good. Where's that a-hole in the chat ripping on us for liking MCU stuff? What was his name again? I forgot. Oh, I don't freaking pay attention. I pay attention to important people. Um, and then you got this guy in the chat talking about the Trailblazers. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think... Have we mentioned basketball in this show once? No. Yeah, Blazers should trade Lil, Lil, uh, Lillard. Yeah, Damian Lillard. Dame. Dame three <laughs> times. Damian three times. They should definitely trade him. Trade him to the Chicago Bulls. Maybe. Damian Lillard. Wouldn't that be something if the Bulls got Lillard? I don't think he's leaving Portland. No. Is he the best player Portland ever had? I don't know. I, I haven't like had the NBA that long back in the day, so I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. So I got some video game news, though. I know you asked me about that, too. Yeah, lay it on me. Uh, I'll go. These, this stuff will just be very quick. Uh, I got an MW2 multiplayer reveal rumored for September. So for all you Call of Duty fans. Absolutely. That's awesome. Grand Theft Auto 6 is rumored to have a potential fall 2024 release date or 2025 somewhere in the 2025 range. Um, and GTA 6 will make history by featuring a female playable character in its campaign for the first time ever. It's like one of the main characters. That is sick. Wow. And, yeah, I know. That's like you're making progress there. Yeah. There's this video game, too, that is coming. I think it's out or there's an open beta right now because everything right now is a multiverse. The video game's called Multiverse, and it's almost mm-hmm. like... Um. Oh my God! Not Strikers. What's that game? Oh, Super Smash Bros. But it's like it brought all characters from all different universes together. Like there's Batman in there, and he might fight like Scooby Doo, or stuff like that. It's a game based on a multiverse of bringing all these different characters together. Like Harley Quinn's in it, but then somebody like you wouldn't expect would be in it, like um, Pickle Rick from Rick and Morty. Pickle Rick. So, I mean, stuff like that. I, it's like the whole world right now is a multiverse and just embracing a whole multiverse thing. I just thought it was a really cool concept for a video game. That and, is cool. And being like a Smash, that's interesting. That is. But that's what I got for you. Who's going to be on the cover of NHL? Well, I've done a lot of speculating. I've wrote many articles at first. I wrote an article because I thought it'd get some traction. It did. It got some pretty good traction, um, and it was titled 
did EA Sports just accidentally release the cover athlete for NHL 23? And it mentioned, like, when Austin Matthews scored 50 goals, they made a comment, well, maybe we have to put him on the cover for a third time. They said that. <laughs> it's not going to be Austin Matthews. It's not going to happen. It's no impossible. Chance. Impossible. I do think this is just me speculating. I haven't heard this from a source, so if it happens, I'm smart. I think it's going to be somebody, and not just because they're in the Stanley Cup. It's just it's a different year. It's going to be somebody from Colorado or Tampa, I think. It may be Kale McCarr. That's my prediction. It may be Kale McCarr. But we'll see. That is absolutely my prediction. I wanted your thoughts on that. Um, I totally think it's going to be Kale McCarr. That is 100% my prediction. Outside of Kale McCarr, like thinking of who it could be, what if they put like Kachuk in a Flames jersey? And no, just, I, like, I don't see it. Off? Not this year. Uh, McJesus has already been on it. They won't it, put dry sidle. It could be McKinnon. No, Austin Matthews. It could be uh, McKinnon. It could be Vasilevsky. That would be cool. Nate Dog with McCarr would be awesome. I always said they need to put somebody from Vegas on there or Seattle, or but that it, this isn't the year. It has the feeling of somebody from the Stanley Cup Final. I just have that feeling. That's fair. Jack Eichel gets it one day though. Maybe. I'm a little surprised we haven't had an announcement yet. Usually we used to get it by the NHL awards or Yeah. This is weird. It's the cover isn't as synonymous with the game anymore just because everything's digital. But it's still like there's still covers on the digital version, right? Like I don't know. Uh, yeah, there is. There's a picture. Yeah. Did they announced the Madden cover. Is it John Madden? Yeah. Yeah, that'll I might buy it. I haven't bought Madden in a long time. I love Madden. My problem is I know NCAA is coming out soon. Yep. And I'll be getting that day one. Day one. But the greatest part is you can have both. Yes, absolutely. I think it'd be cool if they figured out a way to intertwine them. You play your season in in the college ranks. You develop your guy, and then you bring him over to Madden. That would be insane. That would be like we're in the year 2022. We can make that happen. Yeah, it's possible. Like if I make Vinny Parisi and I send him to, let's say I want to like make it really fun, right? And I send him to NIU and I lead the Mac in passing touchdowns and fewest interceptions. And I put him through the transfer portal and LSU wants him. And then I walk on at LSU and make it and play for them win a natty, and then get taken first overall by, like, I don't know, any team, the Bears, the freaking Cardinals, whoever. That would be fun. Or you could play it the traditional way, just send your guy to Alabama, lead the team in sacks or whatever, play defense, and then get drafted first, second, third overall to the NFL. That would be fun, too. Do you know how long it would take, though, to make a game like that? Like, it takes years to develop, like, a Madden game. And a college game, and yeah. just to put them together, it would take some time. I'm sure it would. I'm sure it would. It would. It, it'd have to be something they're like in talks about right now, and do it for like next year's Madden. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, Is that all you got on video games for now? Yeah, just a quick little update. And make sure you follow at the King Bean on Twitter and at App Trigger on Twitter to make sure you get all of Frankie Mueller's video game news. And with that, we are going to send you. To America's favorite podcast segment of the week. 
Breaking Bats. Where's my money, bitch? And welcome to a very nice edition of Breaking Bets on episode 69 of Bard on Talking Hockey. Frank, the floor is yours. Three picks back to the MLB slate last week. There were no MLB games, so I had to give some cheeky little picks. But we're back today. The first pick I'm going to go off of is just purely on where the money is flowing in. All right. Guardians and Red Sox play today. It is Quantrill versus Evaldi. Over-under is at 8.5, but it started at 9. However, 92% of the cash is on the over, so you would think they jack it up to 9.5 or 10 on the over, but no, the over went from 9 to 8.5, which is a little fish, fishy and a little sus. So I like the under 8.5 at minus 110, just purely off where the money is flowing. So we'll see if it works out. Um, it has in the past, stuff like that. And, when, you know, when, when so much of the money is on one side or so much of the public is on one side – tend to fade the other side or go the other direction. I mean, it, it is profitable. It is proven profitable over a long period of time. Um, of course, it doesn't win every time, but over a longer span of time, it is proven uh, profitable. Next up, Marlins are playing the Reds. Reds are going for the sweep. They're not. There's no way they sweep the Marlins. They might, but I'm not taking the Reds at like minus 150. Um, Reds stink. Marlins are decent. They're okay get the Marlins money line at plus 132. Risk it for the biscuit. Throw something on it. Because in no world should you ever take the Reds at minus 150, whatever they are, 150, 160. No, Castillo's on the mound. I think Garrett's on the mound for the Marlins. He's only pitched, like, not too many games this year, but he hasn't been terrible in the games he's pitched. Castillo, he's all right. Overrated, in my opinion. He was better a few years ago. Not the same Castillo. I like the Marlins money line at plus 132. My last pick is just like, it just feels right. Not a lot of value in this pick, but it's just, I never usually include picks like this. So I just, you want a winner. This just feels like a winner. The Subway Series between the New York Yankees and the New York Mets is going on right now. Mets take took game one yesterday. I think they're going to take game two today with Max Scherzer on the mound. I like the Mets minus 179. It's a lot. It's a high price, but... Uh, Germain is pitching. He was terrible in his first game back from injury. Oh, my God. He was so bad. And now you're going to play the Mets when the Mets bats are really cooking and Pete Alonzo and um, McNeil and who else has just been killing it for the Mets right now. Their bats have just been flying. Jermaine's not going to be able to hold them down. I like the Mets at minus 179. If you're feeling a little frisky, and you just don't want to take that straight up because it's a little bit of a higher price, then parlay it with something. Parlay it with one of the other picks I said. Parlay it with the under in the Red Sox game. Parlay it with the Marlins. Do whatever you like. It's up to you. But those are my picks this week. Very good picks, Frank. But the Subway Series is magnificent. I'll probably talk about that at length tomorrow, too, on Crosstown Crosstalk. Uh, did you look at the over-under in the White Sox game yesterday? I, I wonder if you touched yeah, it. Yeah, it was. It was no, freaking I, 11. It was, 11, it was 11 and a half today. It's probably not going to go over. Yeah, I, that's so high. I know they're at Coors Field. and It, it, it goes over a lot. At Trust Coors, me. I know, yeah. but the White Sox have great pitching and a hit-or-miss offense. There was a statistic um, yesterday. I forgot the exact number. There was like 2,000 and something games played at Coors Field lifetime. Um, 
And do you know, I don't know if you heard, the amount of times a game has gone scoreless through three innings at Coors Field in over 2,000 games. Do you know? Or if you had to take a guess? Well, it's got to be something outrageous. Well, it's not like 10. All right, what is it? 188. Wow. That is that's not, not a lot. lot. That's not out a lot. Of, out of over 2,000 games? Yeah, that's not a lot at all. That is like less than 10%. I think um, Steve Stone and um, Benetti said it was like one out of every 11 games or something like that goes scoreless through three innings. Yeah. That's wow. insane. That is insane. That's why the over-under is always so high at Coors Field. Yeah, and they lead, they suck, right? Like their record, they're 10 games under. Mm-hmm. They lead the league and run scored at home. But that's a problem. They don't win on the road. They can't hit on the road. Well, do you remember last year? Yeah, they're crazy. They had like one of the best home records, but one of the worst road records. Yeah, and they yeah. missed the playoffs by yeah. like a lot. That's the problem home. they have there. I think mm-hmm. the altitude plays a huge factor too. When you're traveling constantly from the high altitude to playing other ballparks, that's got to be somewhat as a disadvantage. It has to be. Absolutely. Did you hear Liam Hendricks after the game yesterday? No. Couldn't breathe. And he gave up a solo shot. He was, like, fatigued. And Liam Hendricks doesn't look fatigued ever. He's jumping all over the place and screaming. Liam Hendricks, you could call me a homer. You could call me whatever you want. Liam Hendricks is one of the best closers in the MLB. He might be top. The only one who I would probably take over him is Classe from the Guardians. Yeah. Maybe Hader, but Hader and Hendricks are really close. The Hater Rockies are 28. This year. No. The Rockies are 28 and 24 at home and 16 and 30 on the road. Yeah, see, it's bad. But last year, last year, hold on. Last year, the freaking Rockies were 48 and 33 at home and 26 and 54 on the road. It's it's disgusting. Honestly. It's crazy. It I think it has many reasons to do with the altitude. Oh, and I mean, to me it has everything to do with it. When you travel constantly back and forth to the when you're a mile above sea level and you're used to like the ball flying off the bat and cores and then you go to a different ballpark you have to almost change the way you hit because you don't have to put that much like force into it when you're at cores so like you have that same mindset when you're on the road it's just crazy man absolutely i couldn't agree more so that's that's it that's our show and you know we talked to I mean, we're a hockey show that's two hours and 30 minutes into this thing and i would say most of our show was about hockey it's yeah, not like we it's not like we filled it in talking about like Cheetos or anything like that. The first like, two periods were all about hockey. Literally, and then we had some fun in the third period talking about random shit. And we even talked about hockey a little bit in that period, talking about the NHL cover. So exactly. I highly encourage everyone to get more of Frankie Mueller's video gaming news via his Twitter and App Trigger's Twitter. Uh add him on Facebook. Do what you gotta do to get freaking Frankie's shit, because he's awesome. And he does an outstanding job covering this stuff. It's there's no other place. I used to be like an IGN regular. Now I'm an app trigger regular. Hell yeah. And that you know that's just the way it is. It's the best video game content on the internet. 
And you can also follow my stuff at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. I do the Chicago sports teams plus the New Jersey Devils. Um, big off season for the Devils going on right now. The Bears are about to start. Um, the White Sox and the Cubs are going strong. I'll be covering the Cubs, trading away everyone, while the White Sox trying to load up for the playoffs. We'll see what happens with either team. But, you know, I'm excited about it. And then tomorrow, 2 p.m., Crosstown Crosstalk, Seattle Mariners heavy episode. We're working on a Chicago White Sox drafted prospect for an upcoming future show. And then the South Burbs Hitman will be back on Monday. And that's just a couple of the many great shows here on the Barroom Network that I highly encourage everyone to check out. Frank, is there anything else you have for the people? Nice. This was a nice episode, number 69. Yeah, uh, it was very fun. It flew by. It doesn't even feel like two and a half hours. And uh, it doesn't it? It really doesn't. I hope we help people with their work, right? Like, if you're sitting yeah, there yeah. working, listening to us, I, I hope we help. I uh, I like. and I get to get my big brother fix in tonight, so that should be fun. Big brother, oh, yeah, can't wait to be the new guy. I'm gonna make an audition video just for shits and gigs. I could go win three quarters of a mil. Let's do it. It used I to be think- 500,000. And now it's wow. quarter, three quarters of a mil. Yeah. I mean, I like to think I'm friendly, but I also like to think I know how to tell people when to go F themselves when I need to. And you could win comps when you need to. I think I can be okay in the games. There are a couple of them where I'm like, I don't know if I'm strong enough for that in my arms. But, like, also I don't – I'm with my back. I'm not as nimble as I once was. But, like, that game they played yesterday – or Sunday with the lighter and they had to hold their hand on the button and then get to a chair. I think I would be phenomenal. (laughs) I have won many musical chairs games in my life. I feel like if I decide I'm winning musical chairs, I can at least make it to the final two. And then when you're in the final two, it just kind of depends if you're lucky enough for the music to stop when the chair is facing you. I mean, it was a very interesting challenge. Yeah. I I liked it. I would try and win it and be like the head of house instead of purposely throwing it so I could choose my partner. Yeah, if like, you win, you have to choose your partner, but yeah, I, that's fine. You're still safe, and you, I'd rather be safe. Being safe would trump everything. Yeah. So, any game strategy would take a backseat to being safe. Exactly, I agree. So, and you know, I'm not acting like a big brother aficionado. I wish I, you know, was smart enough. Like I'm not. I'm not necessarily a super fan because I haven't been watching the show since its inception. But I also think there's a downside to being a super fan because being a know-it-all almost gets you nowhere, and it's about to get freaking Michael the can. Michael's a super fan. Michael's a super <laughs> fan that's going fucking nowhere, okay? He's going, home, he's going. He could take his super fanness all the way to being the third person out. Second person evicted. VP is hates Michael. I don't hate Michael. I don't hate. I don't he hate. He dislikes Michael hard. No, I, I, he's got an attitude. He he could turn it around though. If I'll give him this though, if he wins the veto competition for the third straight week, <laughs> he's allowed to brag about whatever the fuck he wants. There Third's are people in the world. There are people in the world who are allowed to brag. In my opinion, if Sidney Crosby like bragged about how sick he was, I'd be like. Fuck yeah. You're sick, Sid. You There's no it. shot he wins for the third week in a row. 
<laughs> no shot. We'll find out tonight. I don't know if you uh, want Big Brother. There's no shot. I'd be surprised, dude. We will see. Make sure you tune in if you're a fan. Of course, all the great shows, all the people listening in the chat. Skyler, the guy who likes the Blazers, Skocks. Uh, King Pookie was in here for a minute. I know we got plenty of people watching at home. Aldo was in here. Good to see you, Aldo. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for everything. And make sure you follow at the King Bean on Twitter. I'm at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. As always, thank you for listening. <laughs>